What's up, yo? Dude, every time... I did. Every time you walk over me, when I talk, God kills Kit. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. What's up, guys? What's new? What's up? How are you guys? I'm doing all right. Oh, that's good. I haven't heard Nick yet. What's going on? <sighs> I'm just trying not to kill a kitten. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we got some news for you this week as far as what's been going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's been some carnage. 50% carnage. That's right. But as yeah. I said last week, I don't go first. Them's the rules. You got to deal with it. Who wants to go first this week? Who wants to go first? Oh, you know what? I spoke. There we go. I guess that's it. Do it. <laughs> You're doing it. Do it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. All right, so my week. Well, last week I started off the week with Pink Eye again. You got it two times, a, dude. Hygiene dude. is good for you. Hygiene, aim. clean yourself. Aim, aim, aim. You gotta use, you gotta use a wipey on your phone, Devin. Come on, a wipey on my. Actually, I think it came from my pillowcase. To be fair, even though. Uh-huh. You know, because I went to bed fine and I woke up, my eye was beet red. So, was that it wasn't that fun? But I started my antibiotics again because I had extra. You're not supposed to have extra antibiotics. You have to take the whole course. <laughs> they gave me two sets of antibiotics, actually. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I worked with that, and then wasn't it wasn't contagious anymore? So I started doing the packing for my event that was here in New Jersey this weekend, this past weekend. Got the trailer ready, got all our trucks ready, got fuel, got helis packed, everything. My dad left Thursday to go down, and I did the most unbelievable thing in the world. You won't even, you you guys are going to laugh so hard at this. What is it? Your homework? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed at that. (laughs) Well, that was funny too, yeah. No, so... My dad had been driving for about an hour and then I have to leave to go to my school for classes and I can't find my car keys anywhere. Can't find them anywhere. I look everywhere where I usually look, leave them, you know, hanging up in my room anywhere. So I call my dad and I left my car keys sitting on the top of the tonneau cover on the truck as he was driving down the turnpike in New Jersey. Oh, geez. <laughs> And so he calls me. He's like, yeah, they're still sitting there. And I've been driving for an hour. He pulls over and gets them. And it starts the wonderful night of trying to figure out when I can go get my car keys because I have to go to school. Oh, so man. It, yeah. It was hey, at least fun. you got them, dude. That's crazy. 
Um, that's pretty wild. That's cool. They stayed on there. Well, thankfully for me, because I did not, I have not paid much attention to how many sets of keys I have for the new truck. And apparently that key that I have is the only key that I have. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good so, thing you got that back, man. Devin. Yeah. Yes. Do you ride the short bus to school? <laughs> I used to. Okay. We need to get you one of those zippy walk. lanyards there so you can zip it back onto your waist when you're done. <laughs> yeah, one of the retractable ones, like, you know, from Paul Blart Mall Cop type deal. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of those and then another one for your glow plug started. Oh, I use electronic glow plugs, you know. Oh, uh, you're all got to be all bougie like that, I see. Yeah, I'm too lazy to, you know, go grab the knob and put it on the end of the shaft. Oh yeah. All right, that's a free one. You get that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I went and recovered those. I drove about an hour each way from my house to go get them. Thank God. For, got back home around 10 o'clock, hooked up the light tower for our event, and then went to bed because I had to go to work in the morning for thir- for Friday morning. Went to work, did my did what I needed to do there, left, started my drive, got to South Jersey at Allen, Allen Air Park there around probably four o'clock, five o'clock around there, and started flying. The uh, there was a good amount of people there already on Friday. I was surprised by how many people we saw. Honestly, for uh, for, for a Friday where everyone's camping and everything, wasn't too bad. Nice, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was a good turnout, and then um, wonderful weather too. It actually was a wonderful weekend here in Jersey. It wasn't hot. It wasn't super cold. It was in the probably in the seventies, sixties, perfect weather. Yeah, you can't nice. beat that. That's great for flying. Oh, it was, it was great. Went to bed. We went to bed pretty early on Friday night, probably around ten o'clock. Wasn't really doing too much and feel like flying oh, at that night. That is early for you, Mister Three A.M. Yeah, yeah, I don't have Augie, you know. Yo, come here. <laughs> you no, know, it was good. And then Saturday I woke up, got bombarded with everybody that was there already because I got up at like 9 o'clock. Everyone left their house from like New York at like 6 in the morning to get there at 8, and they are all waking me up, jumping on my bed and stuff. Let's go fly. Let's go do this. <laughs> nice. We're here. Yeah, we're here. Let's go fly. All right, perfect. So did some electric flying. I uh, found out at the event that I need, do need to order some new batteries, though, because they're starting to get pretty old and they're starting to hurt a little bit. They have a couple hundred flights on them each, and they're yeah. getting a little tired. Right, a little saggy in the top end there. Yes, the ohms on the cells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you get older, you just you know don't work as don't work as fast, don't last as long. Not as crisp anymore. <laughs> yeah. So they, like, they I, make a pill for that. <laughs> a little blue pill. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Uh, so I did something. Hashtag Cialis. <laughs> <laughs> I did something remarkable that I haven't done in the past couple of months because the price of nitro has been so expensive. I haven't been wanting to exactly fly nitro. 
I broke out my nitros after them sitting for probably a good seven months of not flying. Hey, nice. Yeah. Nice. And they both started on like the first crank. I was amazed. Nice. I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought you'd have to fiddle with them or something, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. No, the OS, the 55 started right up. And then the Nova Rossi, after I fixed the Hydro Lock, started right up. And they both ran great. So, like, as McToon is your dad, like, if it didn't start first try, do you work on it or you just like hand it to dad and go fix it? No, I work on it. What do no, you he doesn't. I was there. I saw it. I would totally be, go the other way. So I'm not busting chops. I would hand it to my dad and be like, all right, man, make it start. <laughs> work your magic. Work my work. Work your magic, dad. I'm not capable of this. <laughs> no, I work on a lot of nitros, too. I, I've been feeding off my dad f- for as long as I can remember about nitro and just all the techniques, the tips and tricks, the tuning tricks, everything. So I'm. I'm fully capable of it myself as well, which is good because it's come in handy when my dad gets pulled away for something and I can't, you know, I'm just standing there like, hey, dad, I need you to tune my motor. Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, tuning is kind of an art. Yeah, it really is. It's a little easier nowadays, I would say, with, you know, you're technically people will argue back and forth how you're supposed to tune a nitro. Everyone has their different way. And as long as it works, it doesn't really matter. But I got a lot of flights on my nitro. I burned probably a gallon, a gallon and a half Saturday. Dang, nice. Yeah, yeah. And then went through some night flying and put down a couple of flights, had a good time. I flew for the first time the Gooski. I am actually pretty impressed with the capabilities of that helicopter. Yeah, you like it? Heli, man. I was very surprised because the M2 and the Logo 200 kind of were disappointing in my eyes towards me. This is my my opinion on it as where my piloting skills are. They didn't perform the best. For beginners, they're, they're great and getting through and doing smooth stuff and everything. They're awesome. When it comes to the smack and the reversing of the rudder and everything, the M2 and the Logo 200 were kind of lacking in that department. But the Goose Guy, I was very impressed. I only blew the tail out once versus on demand if I wanted to with the M2 or the Logo 200. So that was very nice. It was it flew well, performed well. So I was impressed with that. And now I see what everyone was talking about with that, comparing it to the M2. Very nice heli. And unfortunately, Saturday night, we went to bed pretty early too. At like 11 o'clock, we stopped flying. Whoa. Dang, that's old guy stuff right there for sure. Yeah. We're rubbing off on you. I, yeah. I'm get, <laughs> it's because I'm getting old. That's because I'm getting old. Because all the nitro fumes all day. Oh, We're going to need a new young guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my eyes were burning from the nitro. You know, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so woke up Saturday or Sunday, sorry, uh, not Saturday, Sunday, and kind of did a couple of flights. And then we were seeing the incoming rain that was due and started packing up, got home at like two o'clock. And then Monday went to work and now recording RCHN V3. Let's go. But that's yeah, basically buddy. what my week's been up to. Hmm. So. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Rob, why don't you go next? Yes, I will take the second slot. You betcha. 
So um, I got a little more flying in this week. Um, got the uh, uh, T-Rex 600 tuned in a little more. You know, I got to say, like, at first I wasn't sure, like, what to, like, I guess where to start for, like, a baseline for head speeds and this and that for this thing. So I, I figured I'd leave it set up kind of tame. And in the uh, speed controller, um, when I looked in the software, it was already set up as governor high and it had a, a few RPM settings set up in there. And so I just set them to that. And it's like 1700, 2100, 2200 or something like that. And I'm like, okay, this, I, maybe this is right, you know? And so I'm flying it and it, it feels okay, you know, but I looked online and just to look up to see what people are flying and people are doing like 2400, 2500 head speed. And man, maybe I'm like out of practice or something, but I feel like I'm kind of scared to fly that at 2,400 RPM. I mean, is that going to be okay? Is this thing going to tear itself apart? I don't apart? think you need to. I don't think you no, need no, to. No, I don't think I need to either. Yeah, so, I mean, I flew it. Uh, well, I've had a couple, probably three or four flights now on it. Um, and the last one I flew, I flew right in idle 2 at 2,200. And it was fine. It seemed to have all the power I needed. I'm not trying to be like Tarek al Saudi or any of those guys. I'm not trying to punish the thing, you know? And so it just is, it's flying great. It's flying nice. It's on nice and tight. It's on rails. Um, it, it, I haven't found any, anything that's really sloppy or loose or anything. So it's, yeah, it's turning out to be a really nice heli I'm in the 50 class heli world again, you know? Um, I've only been in there. The only time I've ever been in that class of heli, the damn thing flew away, and then and I never saw it again. So, oh, <laughs> you know, but uh, it flew away. Hey, That's hey. not completely true, Rob. No, you know what? You're right. It's not completely true. The, somebody the, reminded wait, us. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this is the guy wire heli? This is the target no, back heli you're talking about, right? No, no, no I'm not. Oh, right. I'm talking about way back um, my story that I had from uh, when I very first started the helicopter thing. It's on one of the RCHN two episodes, but um, when I had my Kyosho um, concept 30 um, and the tail linkage was broken, I didn't check it. Um, anyway, so the really, I guess the only other interaction I've had was the outrage or the, uh, the um, fusion 550. Uh, so <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, I guess it was a 600 class helicopter. It was that outrage. It was that outrage. The one that I sent you that you hit the guy wire with. Yeah, the Fusion 50, not 550. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Fusion 50. So, yeah, I'm kind of traumatized in this helicopter class. So, flying this thing around, I'm like, I feel like it's going to like explode, but I'm sure it's not going to. So, you know, probably within the next couple of weeks, I'll be doing more stuff. I've, I've, I've TikToked it, looped it, you know, um, hovered around upside down and little silly shit like that. Hard sport. You know, that's where I like to settle. So, um, yeah. So, dude, that one's dialed in, man. Uh, thanks again, Dan. And thanks again, Mania X, for getting me some electricity to uh, fly around. Um, the T-Rex 500, that one, um, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say. You know, last week we talked about um, all the different Beast X variants of videos that I put up there. And so I've got this T-Rex 500 set up. And I go to do a test hover. And it's getting light on the skids. And all of a sudden, as soon as it comes, like there's no weight on the skids, it just starts to pitch forward super hard. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I go back <laughs> down and I try to go back up again. And it's pitching forward and to the right. I'm like, oh, and I slap it down, put throttle hold on. Can't figure it out. And you'd think I'd know better. But like a noob, I'm like, hmm, something's not right. Go back into idle one and 
take off throttle hold and try again. <laughs> so, no. Uh, no. so yeah. So anyway, I try again thinking, well, maybe I just did, did something. I don't know what I could have done wrong. Of course, I didn't do any. I know I did. wrong. I'll tell you what I did wrong. But anyway, um, try it again. Light on the skids. Fucking thing starts to tip over. Blade scrape on the ground. Uh, but I get it back on the uh, skids and just all negative pitch just to suck it down on the ground. I'm like, what is wrong? And so I start uh, just brainstorming, looking. There's nothing mechanically wrong with the thing at all. Um, and, and I'm looking in my radio. You know, I've got the Radio Master TX16S. going, okay, I have two other Beast XLEs set up on this thing. What's different on this one that's on the others? Nothing's different. I feel like I'm wasting my time. And then I, uh, I pick up the heli and I'm looking at it. And then I'm like, wait, let me check. And so I tipped a helicopter and I realized I tipped nose forward. The swash chases the, the helicopter nose forward. And we all know what happens when you do your tail rotor backwards, right? And yeah. so I had I had inadvertently skipped step uh, K or whatever the hell letter it is in the beast decks, the swash, uh, the cyclic uh, sensor directions. And everything else dialed in, felt like a hero, and then went to try to take off and almost fucking wadded the whole thing up. <laughs> Found out you were a zero. It almost was, dude. Yeah. So by I fixed that. I uh, um, I'm a bender, right? So there, the ends of the blades are a little chipped. Um, so I ca glued the ends and clamped them down and just had, let them sit for a day or two. And the go. ends are fine, you know. Um, and you know I'm not going to be trying to tear the the head off of this thing either with like. 4,000. I don't know what the fuck you'd run on the T-Rex 500, but um, I'm going to keep it conservative on there anyway until I get some, I'm going to buy some new blades. I got a new, I mentioned last week that one of the tail, the teeth and the tail gears looks like it was about to go. It went, so I'm less one tooth in the torque tube tail. I'm not going to, I'm not going to push my luck too bad. So I got it one coming. Uh, it should be here next, by next Tuesday. But uh, so yeah, both the, uh, the Align Helis are, are airborne the t-rex almost wasn't there <laughs> i mean the 500 almost wasn't um but uh, and then i had to give the x5 some love just because i wanted to fly something big that i'm comfortable with and so i took that and the 600 out today and flew them around and you know i got got my adrenaline fix for the day while the kids were in school and stuff and so i charged a 12 cell pack at uh um 2c just to see it was like 12, 13 minutes. And so I'm like, this, I can do this over and over at the flying field with just one, one pack for now, you know? Uh, so yeah, that, that was my heli world. Um, and that's, uh, I'm sticking to it. That's my story. Nice. Crazy. That's awesome that you got that thing flying, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's been like a little marathon, like basically every day I just been just leaning on them from, you know, I had mentioned last week that I really liked the build part of it. And so I had a lot of fun figuring out where to route all the wires. I redid the T-Rex 500 because of where things were at. I was like, this looks really janky. So it looks a little bit less janky now. And, um, but yeah, for sure. So yeah. that, that 600 that you have, I built that helicopter years ago. Well, yeah. Nice. It, you did a good job because well, I didn't have to do anything to it. <laughs> I don't know. You, there's, there is a video of that exact helicopter on its maiden, and it oh, no lasted for about 45 seconds. Oh, don't scare me now. Well, no, you know, 
it's neither here nor there. I mean, a simple mistake. I had forgotten to, um, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't put the fastener in the elevator servo. Oh no. Okay. So I was oh, like hovering about, yeah. Ooh. yeah. Yeah. And here's, here's the kicker. So, uh, a good friend of mine, Ed, who you listeners who have been around a while will remember that name. I had talked him into buying that helicopter and saying I built, it's a not quite true. I helped Ed build it, but, right. um, the day we went, went to maiden it, his wife was filming and I was flying and <laughs> she was super <laughs> impressed Yeah, when she saw it pile itself up into, into a ball. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that one cost me a little bit, but uh, yeah, that ended up that went from Ed to Fred to me to you. So, hey, it it lives on, man. Yep. It's going to get many more flights. I I anticipate. So, that's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, that's sick, Rob. I think you're really going to like like twenty two hundred on the six hundred. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds nice at twenty two hundred. You know. Yeah, once I get more used to it and I get over the fear of, like, I feel like I'm jinxed, you know, anything bigger than the X5 is like, but I don't know, after maybe 10, 15 flights, I'll be able to start ringing it out, I think. Yeah, Wait till you fly. get your hands on a 700, dude. Okay. Dude, I know, I, I want one, I really do. Last night, I, you, you guys won't believe this, but last night, I watched a YouTube video, a Freddie Can Fly video of him uh, tearing down and cleaning and rebuilding a nitro motor, going... Yeah, I bet I could do that. Dude, I got one. I if bet wanna, I could do that. I don't know, a man. a bunch of them that need I, to be rebuilt. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know if they would work at the end, but... So, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it. You guys talk. You guys have been talking about the nitros on the show, and they don't seem as scary and dirty and hard as maybe they would be, and maybe I can beat Nick to the punch and actually do one. We'll see. Nick thinks they're scary and dirty. I know he doesn't scary. have one, but if but if I get one scary, before he they're does, just dirty. They're just dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, they stinky. I wouldn't call it dirty. I'd say self lubricating. Oh, dude, nitro nitro has soul, man. Nitro yeah. has soul. It's a living, breathing being. Yeah, I just want to fly around with that smoke trail and just have it like. It seems I watched the OptiPower tuning video and watching him fly it. I was like, it's like the hell he's talking to him. And then he knows what to do and he brings it back and tunes the needles and goes back up and Heli finally tells him that it's okay. And then he just goes to town, you know, and I'm like, that's a unique experience that you don't get with electric. And I don't know, I've got three big electrics and a couple of microelectrics now and maybe it's time. I don't know. Maybe it's time. We'll see. I, I like what you're saying. I like it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, come on over. Come on over to the dark side. So I'll, I'll go next. <laughs> do it. Do yeah. it. I don't really have anything to report. It was kind of a boring week. Lies. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, we know. You posted you about have, it. Do you have video proof that it happened? Uh, I have Devin. Oh. That's, Devin's that's giving away my dirty little secrets. I have what looks like a before and after picture. Yeah. <laughs> before and after picture. So Wait, I didn't get the picture. There was a well, picture. There's one on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, that well, one. The, my wife took a picture like just seconds apart 
you can see me and Devin in the helicopter in the background in the next picture. You see me and Devin looking at the exact same spot and no helicopter. I saw like that. It, like it was, really. It's I like it was photoshopped out of there. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even started looking at the ground yet in the second picture. We were still looking up in the sky. I want the picture where you guys are looking at each other like, what? I don't think we did that. I knew no. what happened right away. I mean, although was, although it, I did uh, look at you, Dan. I did. Oh, I did looked you? at you and I was like, Okay, you okay? That's yeah. <laughs> you were waiting for the tears to start rolling. Yes. So I had like three <laughs> seconds of the most insane 3D you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, buddy. That was <laughs> no, the actually, most true statement. So, yeah, Forza down. Did you drop the I'm transmitter in your lap or something? No, no, no. I mean, I can make all kinds of excuses, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I was flying out of that chair, which I absolutely hate because it puts my arms in a weird position. Yeah, I can get used to that. Simple, really simple. So I just took it, I took off and, and kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a usual thing for me to flip right to inverted and just do a punch out. Right. A rooster pull. A cock pull. Yeah. You you flip over and pull your cock out. (laughs) Yeah. You can't do that with an electric man. Come on, get it right. Okay. Anyway, what I what I did was I kind of misjudged my elevation in <laughs> in the height of the beans that were underneath. Oh shit. So as I'm rotating to inverted it just, it just kind of popped into my head like, oh my God, I'm a little bit close. So oh, what happened? I kind of, I kind of paused. I, I, I didn't commit. Right. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? what happens to a helicopter when you, when you go to do something and you do not commit to that maneuver, bad things happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I kind of like, eh, anyway, as I, as I was like in that split second of indecision, the tail got caught into the beans, right? Oh, so I, no. I went to, I went to level it and I just, Devin said he saw the tail kind of slowing down or stopping. I didn't notice that, but what I was fully expecting was for it to just start pirouing, like at a very rapid rate. This typically right. happens when your tail gets, gets destroyed. It didn't do that. I was expecting it to do that. So I hit throttle hold and I got a little too jumpy with the cyclic to get it down because I was expecting it to start to just hero, like yeah. uncontrollably. So did you spike it into the beans? Yeah, I kind of did. Uh, oh, you're yeah. like, get on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, get onto the ground, get onto the ground. Yeah. And, Stop um, flying right now. Of course, once, okay. the, once the main blades hit the beans, it's just like a vacuum cleaner, man. Just yeah. There was dust all over it. Oh, dude. But the damage... It's not, not that bad. bad. Uh, nice. Linkage, the head linkage, and all the links need to be replaced. Uh, saw something Devin never, <laughs> never had seen before. I don't think I've ever seen it either. The umbrella gear that drives the tail just shattered. And all, wow. that, was left, all that was left was the little pin that holds the umbrella gear in place <laughs> and, the, and the shaft. Like the, It was just gone. Dang, those beans are no joke. And the torque tube that's intact everything's intact there's no no gears stripped on the um on the tail 
I, there's no gear stripped anywhere else. So it was like a fuse there. That one, that one gear just shattered like a fuse and everything else was fine. Everything else was fine. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to look to see if the servos need anything. Um, they got a pretty hard hit, obviously, because every one of the link links uh, were bent. Oh, and yeah. Some were gone. So servos took a pretty hard hit. They're just old RGX servos, so I'm not too worried about that. You probably swap um, out some gears, maybe, if you have to. New landing gear. If I can, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can find servo gears for those. I don't know. I probably just replace them with new ones. But um, no, nothing. Main blades good, canopy good, tail cover good. Um, but here's the problem. So when I it's got full home, of beans. <laughs> it's, it's full of beans. <laughs> when I got home, I go onto the Deforce site, and wah wah wah, no parts. No. Oh. Uh. Um. Every thing that I need. The only thing that I could find was the umbrella gear, um, which I did order just, just because couldn't find any links, but I could, I could wiggle my way around that. I could probably Frankenstein some links from another, you know, I just, I need yeah. the JR links themselves, which I did. I do have plenty of those and I did order a couple more. You mean the but, where they go on the ball there you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You could probably get rods anywhere. Yeah. Well, JR kind of has a, a weird size. Um, they're pretty, I don't know, at least it used to be the JR links were just a little sized differently than, I mean, JR is like the one heli that even recommends in their manual to size all of your plastic links. You don't really see that anymore, right? Right, right. With the no. ball reamer, yeah. Yeah, right. So today I was kind of looking at it, and the sad reality was I don't know that I'm actually going to fix the Forza. Oh, oh, oh. no. So I think I'm just going to buy a new heli, a new, right. more modern heli where I can get parts <laughs> for it. Just make that one a shelf queen or something. That that is a possibility, but I got a bad track record with shelf queen Ellie's. <laughs> they end up just <laughs> in bits and pieces, and I rob. You know, they don't. They never get re refinished, right? So yeah, yeah. What I might do, what I'm thinking about doing, is stripping it down, checking the servos out, making sure they're okay. And since it's basically, I just need to find another heli that I can use those same battery packs with, and I don't know. I'm guessing, can I use the 5,000 milliamp 12S packs on a Goblin 700, a raw 700? Yeah, that'd be, that'd fit fine. So that's kind of what I think I'm going to do. I think I'm going to order a new uh, raw 700 and nice. uh, strip this. I need to have something that, I need to have a heli that I can get parts for. Yeah, dude, I feel you. I don't know that I want to give up on the on the Forza. I mean, I may... Look, keep well, keep looking for the parts that I need, and then maybe eventually rebuild it. But I was hoping, I was hoping beyond all hopes that I was going to be able to get it done. There's an event coming up in uh, uh where's that at, Nick? South Carolina, uh, Tennessee. North Carolina, North Carolina, S- Ray City starts with an F, 
Yeah, Race City, uh, Rotor, something or other. Fest? Yeah. Quest? I don't know. Rotor Fest or something like that. So we're going to go to that event. And I think Nick's planning on going as well. I think so. Our, it's it's in it's it's preliminary at this point, but I, I know my wife and I are going at least for one day. We'll probably be there all day Friday. She wants to make a weekend out of it and go. She wants to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or wherever that's at. For for what reason I don't know. I, there's something there she wants to see. That's all I know. So anyway, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to try to work on getting the N7 ready, and uh, if I have to, I'll go get a gallon of liquid gold <laughs> cool power it, 300 it literally is or, liquid gold or 30 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah um i should be able to get it it's well sitting right next to me and it's basically ready i just got to finish the tail and yeah i'll i you know take the nitro down and maybe i'll use that that day to get it all tuned up yeah there you go there you go got the 570 flew the 570 at the weekend of course i went to the uh, Devin's event there. Hell, he's gone wild in New Jersey. Allen yeah. Field. Nice, nice place. Oh my God. What a nice field. It was a little bit better this time, uh, because I did bring the electric scooter with me. I was able to actually, you know, go talk to people. Right. Right. If I can <laughs> get around just, and shit. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, being stationary and, and, uh, having my ankle kill me. Uh, so I was able to get some flights in. I didn't get a lot of flights in. I think I got like four flights in on the 570 and then, of course, the crash. Yeah, yeah. So 4.65. Yeah. Actually, 4.15 because you started early, <laughs> crashed early. <laughs> yeah, I got that out of the way right away. Gee, man, crickets, 30 seconds in. Not even that, dude. Like three There's seconds like, in. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, sucks. Like, it's like up in the air and like all of a sudden everyone's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. It's never taken me so long to respond to a crash. Like usually I'm like, I'm already <laughs> walking by the time the helis hit the ground or I'm like, oh, it's done. And when that happened, it took me like a good like 30 seconds to go, oh, it's in the ground. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, it was more of an ego uh, blow than anything else. It's like, what the fuck, man? Seriously? Like, why did you have to crash on that move of all things? Can't even hover a helicopter, man? Come on now. (laughs) Hey, now, you got to get better at that because we told these young bucks that we're going to show them how to hover like a boss. Well, I was able to, one thing I did do is immediately went and got the 570 and put it right up in the air. Yes, you Uh, did. Yeah, there you go. Redemption. Uh, Yep. I didn't want to have that hanging over (laughs) me. (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, as the day goes by, you know, people were coming up and they were talking to us and they're like, so what happened there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a nice heli. Oh, you crashed. <laughs> it is a nice heli. Super nice heli. But you can't get parts for it, man. I noticed last time I looked on the D-Force site, D-Force, whatever, aviation they had kits available, but there are no no longer even kits available. I was kind of thinking maybe I'd buy a kit. Anybody you want? Anyone has a kit out there that they just or want to get rid of? Let me know because <laughs> I might buy it. Uh, yeah, I there did, you go. You know, just a. I would like to get it back up in the air because it is it is a nice heli, but I do need to get something a little more modern. But anyway, the heli's gone wild. Just a day trip for me. It's about two and a half hours. Didn't take the toll. Well, I had to take the toll roads a little bit, but we took a different route. 
Just nice. So not all your money, just, just a <laughs> medium amount of it. Just like three quarters of it instead of all of it. Yeah. Okay. But here, here's something that, so this, this is a actual airport and they have a, um, a couple different planes, actual planes that you can go fly in. And they literally cool. take off right from the field that, that we're flying the helicopters at. And so Elaine was looking, she was kept, she's like, I kind of want to go fly in that plane. It's like an old army trainer, like a biplane steerman, right? Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> she was, she kept talking about, it. I'm like, just, just go do it. She says, well, how much is it? And then so I told her that I saw a sign. It's like 120 bucks for like 20 minutes. She's like, I think I'm going to go do it. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So then she's like, well, I don't know if I brought enough cash. And so I pulled out my wallet and I said, just take whatever's in there and see if you have enough. And she did. She had just enough cash. Yeah. And um, the cool thing was she got to fly, enjoyed that, got some good pictures. Then we're driving home. And the first toll booth we come to, we go into panic mode. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have no cash. <laughs> we didn't stop and get any more cash. <laughs> You're going to be trapped on the toll road. So the, she's like digging through her coins and I'm, I had like $3 bills in my wallet and it was like five bucks, right? <laughs> We're trying to like in the line, just slowly working our way, you know, maybe two or three cars behind as they, as they're working through the toll booth and we're like frantically looking for quarters and dimes and nickels. Oh man. And we didn't quite, we came to like $3 or $4 or something like that and so my wife looks at the girl. She said, we don't have any cash. <laughs> and then the lady says, well, we can just bill you. But what they didn't tell us, and I'm assuming we're going to find out, is that instead of the $5, <laughs> for them to send us a bill, we're probably going to have to pay some kind of convenience fee. Yep. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, so like we'll see. five bucks. Another five or yeah. ten bucks. Fifteen dollar <laughs> convenience fee. It's like twenty two seventy five after tax yeah. for that five dollar toll trip. See, you so should have circled a... back to the uh, truck stop before that and just sat around lot lizard style for like a half hour. You'd have well, plenty we of money. Or we could have just went to an ATM and grabbed some cash. Uh, or there's that. Yes, there's that. Your mind always goes to the worst possible scenario, Rob. The more complicated, the better. <laughs> wow really it's true <laughs> so i don't know Devin. that story my recollection uh, matches i think yours yeah it's pretty much what happened yeah right? i kind of a dumb thumb uh pan well panicky maybe a little bit but just non-committal into a into rotating to inverted and got caught up in the beans and bam yeah i that's that's what happened in my mind too that's what i saw I, I told mean, you we'd have the same story, Nick. The only thing I thought <laughs> when you hear thinking, mine, you're going to realize how close our stories are. <laughs> no, no only, shit, huh? That's only cool. thing I, I started thinking during that was like, oh, why'd you stop? You would have just barely made exactly. it if you kept going. Exactly. See? And and yes, that's the thing. If I would have just continued with it and let it keep rotating through, I may have clipped the beans with the tail, but I would have been inverted and I could have punched out. Yes. But yeah. I, I think I heard, I, I don't know, and I don't really know specifically what happened, but I'm guessing that as I was rotating, I heard the tail start hitting beans and I kind of just, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, I, and then it, was, then it was too late. It was premature, you know? Yeah, premature. 
That's so story of my life. For what I can gather is out east, the beans are traumatizing to RC heli pilots well, all around. Just all in around. A way, yes, but in a way, no. No. Yeah. Because the beans, had I not hit, because I was able to get it leveled back out as it was coming down. Yeah. The beans hadn't been there to, to take a good amount of the force away. I'm guessing the damage would have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, you probably would have tore it up. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'll praise the beans. <laughs> but they do suck <laughs> your heli in like a vacuum if you get too close to them. Oh, Man. yes, they do. So I don't know. That's uh, that's about it. You know, I'm um, still dealing with the uh, broken ankle, and uh, it's actually getting better. I uh, got one hell of a sunburn on my pasty white legs this weekend. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Yeah, I'm, that hurts worse than the ankle right now. I'm telling you that much. Dude, I, I bet, man. You got to lather it up, dude. Well, I typically don't wear shorts, but with a cast, it's just a hell of a lot easier to deal with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Probably tired of them shiny sweatpants, too. I was going to say, you yeah. should have busted out the formal shiny sweatpants. <laughs> I'm wearing shiny sweatpants right now. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, there you go. <laughs> Special night. Were the shorts shiny? Maybe they were reflecting onto your pants. And no, like they were those. Like, those shorts reminded me of the gray shorts that all of the football coaches used to wear when I was in high school. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, oh God. Almost like a leisure pant short. Like it should have pleats? Yeah, like, um, I don't know, stretchy, kind of, I don't know. Yeah, just old man shorts. That's That's what they are. Yeah, and black socks? No. No. Oh, uh, not yet. Not yet. White socks. White socks. What are old man shorts? I'm not sure. I, I was wearing them that day, dude. You should have uh, paid you, attention. I when was, you I see them, you'll know. I couldn't get my eyes off the lobster legs. Oh, my God, dude. You should <laughs> see them now. I was thinking, well, my wife claims that she offered some sunscreen. And her she said, well, you said, I'll be all right. I'm like, no, I don't Sound, think you are. Sounds legit, so. man. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that's exactly what she said. <laughs> it's probably exactly what you said too, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's her fault. I blamed it on her last night. I was like, "All right, how did you let me get so sunburnt? She's like, you're a grown-ass man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the more I hear about Elaine, the more I like her. <laughs> I know, right? It was, a, it was a good weekend. I'm looking forward to... Uh, Heading down to um, South Carolina. I don't. I, I don't have my states. North I don't Carolina. Really, is it North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just guys. North of Charlotte. Yeah. I get to I get to hang out with Nick for a little bit if he can make it. That'd be kind of fun. I think I can. You guys and your fun fly shenanigans and dude, hanging out with each you. other, man. I'm telling you, dude, it's completely different over here than it is on the West Coast. Even where you're from, Rob, it is completely yeah. different. There's something going on all the time out here. It sounds like it. Like there's some fun flies here and there around here, but it seems like anything that comes up is financially and time-wise inconvenient for me, which sucks. So it's like I have to carve out time. I want to go fly with my old buddies from back in the day around here. You know what I'm saying? But right. uh, I just, the last one they had was like five hours north of here or something like that. Exactly. And I got 10 miles to the gallon or 12 miles to the gallon on a good day in my Jeep. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I, I got to... I got to pay my house payment. I got to do that. And also I'd love to drive up there, you know, but so it's something I got to plan way ahead for. Oh well, yeah. So 
And that's the way it was when I was living in Montana. It's like every fun fly was you had to schedule time off. You yeah. know, you had to prepare for the at least six hour drive. Mm-hmm. And it's a trek. it was, yeah, it was a, you know, here it's like, there's a fun fly. Yeah. I may not be able to go the whole weekend, but you know, I can drive two and a half hours to spend a day somewhere. Yeah. You know, totally. Hang out and then go home at night. It's nice. I like it. Got to hang out with uh, a lot of the guys that I'm kind of getting to know as friends and it's kind of nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then there was Devin. I had to hang out with Devin, and it's just yeah. Well, oh, it's yeah, even better now. It's even better. It's even better now. <laughs> that was neat. That was neato. <laughs> Neato's keto. <laughs> anyway, Rob, let's hear about your carnage. Uh, well, I don't know that Rob had any, but if you want to hear about oh, mine, I'll tell you. Oh my god, I was about to say, didn't... hey, it's late. It's late. Okay, it's not that late. It's right. shiny. I mean, late. The shiny so... sweatpants did it. <laughs> All right. So last week, I hate, I hate all of you, as you should. Um, yeah. All right, last week, so I convinced everybody, and and this is what maybe you should do, Rob, with if you have any local flying buddies with your non traditional schedule, because I kind of have a non traditional schedule too. And weekends, you know, when everybody goes fly, is often the hardest time for me to get out, because you know my kids have about five hundred and thirty two soccer games a weekend. <laughs> right. Um, so I just convinced them all to skip work. So I start, you know, planting. We've got this little chat group in Atlanta, and I just start planting seeds. Like Wednesday, the weather looks really good. Like we, you know, we could be out here from ten to two. It'll be awesome. And then eventually, I convince enough guys, and that's what happened uh, Wednesday, which I think I talked about last week. Like there were literally guys that would like disappear into their car to go to a conference call with like heli noise in the background, <laughs> and then they would come <laughs> out forty-five minutes later and you know knock a few flights out and then go to another call in their cars. Anyway, I had a great time. But I was talking a lot, and what ended up happening is I went home with four charged batteries for my raw 580. So I'm like, ah, I don't want to put these on the discharger. Like, when can I knock out four flights? And this is, there. I'm like, you know what? I'll drop the kids off at school, and I'll go straight to the field that's real close to my house, and I'll just knock out four flights real quick, burn the packs, get a little practice in on the raw 580, and then go back to work. And so that I sounds, went out, and yeah, right. It sounds like some. Uh, the, just fly the last pack kind of a vibe there. Uh, yeah, the, well, yeah, that's what turned out to happen. Oh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> so I fly the first pack, and that goes fine. And uh, it's funny, the the city uh, actually takes care of that. It's a park that uh, the Atlanta RC Club is in. And the city was there cutting the grass, but they'd already cut the whole heli area. So I didn't you know, have any reason I couldn't fly there way in the distance. And they pretty much just completely stopped work, sat on the lawnmower, and watched me fly. So they were having a good time. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Uh, and they enjoyed what happened. Well, so first pack went great, and, you know, knock out a bunch of stuff. And the second flight, I'm like, all right, what do I feel like working on on this flight? And I was like, you know what I really don't do a lot of? I don't do a lot of angled inverted climb outs. So I'm like, well, let's try that, right? We're going to sort of pull the heli up into a hover, give it a little pyro, make sure everything's okay, flip it on its back and do like an angled inverted climb out to my left. Um, yeah, just off to the side kind of. Up at a 45. Yeah. So I do a bunch of those and every time I get to the top and I do a half pier to point the nose down and I kind of half loop out of it and, you know, go into whatever else I was doing. Yeah. Pretty cut and dry. Like, and then, you know, you have that like, all right, I'm, I'm forming a pattern. I need to try something else so I don't just get locked into this for the rest of my life. Uh, so I do inverted climb out and instead of doing like nose down and the half pier, I just start a tail slide and I don't really know what happened after that. Oh no! I think <laughs> just went blank. <laughs> I basically did the same stick moves as if it was nose down, and I think I pointed the elevator the wrong way, so basically flipped it back onto its back. 
And all of a sudden I was inverted like two feet off the ground and I'd lost (laughs) orientation. I had no idea what was going on. And I was like, so you were coming down at like full speed. Oh yeah. Like Thor's hammer. Just yeah. Big old tail sled. But here's what I think actually happened (laughs) miraculously. Right. And I, it's funny. As soon as I crashed, I tried to like go through in my brain what had actually happened. I was like, I have no idea. I don't really know what orientation the hell he was in when it went in. And I don't really know what I did to try and save it. Um, but all I knew was that somehow, whatever orientation it was in, I had actually corrected the correct direction as I hit hold. So I basically, right before it went into the ground, took all the head speed out of it. So I think yeah. it was inverted. You know, I think I gave it, uh, you know, negative pitch such that it, you know, slowed way down before it hit the ground, and it landed on its side with the tail rotor sticking up, which is, you know, the best orientation to kind of stuff the yeah. thing in. Yeah, as far as parts parts replacement wise, you bet. (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't crashed in it's over a year. I think it's 18 months. It might be 14 months. I don't know. It's been a really long time. And I've actually been looking forward to a crash in this weird way because I'm like, I gotta get it out of my system. I gotta get it out of my system. (laughs) Like it's too long. I'm on borrowed time. Like I want it to happen. And I want it to happen safely. So to do it by myself in front of a bunch of, you know, landscapers laughing at me. Um was yeah, perfect. There you go. <laughs> you get so it out of your system. <laughs> I'm literally like in a good mood as I'm walking to the heli to see, you know, how bad it is. And it was my raw 580, right? Which is a great heli and I really like it. But if you asked me to pick in my fleet which heli I wanted to put in, I would point at that one. Like I'm just uh, the least emotionally attached to it for whatever reason. I don't know why. Like I know it crashes pretty well. Parts are easy to find. Like it's just, you know, it's, I don't want to say least favorite because it's a great heli, but whatever. Of my fleet, it's the one I wanted to put in. If that made any sense. Uh, sure. So I walk over to it and I'm like, oh, this isn't too bad. The blades are totally toast. All right. We broke some servo horns. That's good. That means other things didn't break. And I'm looking at the boom and I'm like, man, the boom looks fine. The tail rotor looks completely fine. Like, and so now I'm in a pretty good mood, right? I'm expecting to find, you know, the canopy is kind of toast. Well, it's yeah. toast for me because I'm super, uh, I, I can't fly a busted busted up looking canopy i just can't do it you know guys who are like soaking napkins and ca and stuffing them in there and all that I'm yeah. Like, nope, <laughs> yeah not my yep. stuff can't do it i can't do a practice canopy like even if i'm by myself at the field i can't fly some ghetto looking canopy i can't do it uh, i just like my heli's looking pretty because i can't fly for shit so at least it has to look good <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go so i get it back to the bench and i immediately start tearing it down because i'm leaving on a business trip the next morning and I'm like, I want to know what parts I need. So they're all sitting at home uh, when I get back. And the more I dug into the thing, the less I realized was damaged. So I lost a few servo horns, replaced those right away. The links are all fine, although I replaced a few ball link ends just for the heck of it. Um, servos are all fine. Um, releveled the swash, no big deal. Pulled the head off. And the only thing I could find damaged in the head, uh, the spindle's fine, the main shaft's fine. You know, spooled the heli up with no blades on it. There's no vibrations or shakes. Main shaft, tail shaft, all that's fine. The whole tail and boom, tail push rod, perfect. No damage, no damage to the skids. The frames are fine. Like the canopy took a lot of the energy and landed on its side. The main blades are toast. Those went. But somehow, like I literally took enough energy out of the heli before it hit the ground that there was no boom strike, which is what I was expecting, that one of those blades would have, you know, taken out the boom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it didn't somehow miraculously. Both blades were toast. Um but it was fine. And so the radial bearings on the head felt nasty. Uh, you know, there was definitely some crunch when I was just, you know, feeling the head without the links on it. So yeah, yeah. basically ordered all new radial bearings and thrust bearings for the head. I'll just replace all of that while I have it open. 
Uh, I'm actually going to switch to the X-Guard uh, dampers for the head while I have it apart. Give those a try. And uh, that was it. So really, it was just bearings and a canopy and main blades. But I have the original so, blades that came with the heli, so I don't have to pay to replace those. So not a bad nice. crash. No, not at all, dude. That's like a crash lit, like a micro crash. Yeah. That ain't bad. Considering how you described it, I was waiting for you to be yeah. like, yeah, I went in the car and got out the target bag. and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, needed. that's cool, man. Yeah, man, for sure. So the, like the more I took it apart, the happier I got. I'm like, this is great. I got a crash out of the way and it's not bad. Um, and you praise the heli gods. They'll leave you alone for at least another year, hopefully. Yeah. And I'm like, and I got a story to tell next week. <laughs> hey, nice. And then I see Dan's post, Forza down, and I'm like, hey, we got two crashes next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a packed week. It's and packed. now I know that we're both from inverted climates, which apparently we should both stop doing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I was kind of hoping for a better carnage story. Sorry. I mean, I'll try harder. You should. That's... <laughs> uh, I, I want to see a tail slide uninterrupted into the ground. <laughs> just on purpose just to <laughs> on my last day in the hobby i promise do it except nobody knows when their last day in the hobby this is always like two years later when there's dust all over your models yeah. that you're like oh man i guess i should sell some of this uh, fuck try 10 and you start flying again <laughs> i mean good for you for holding on to your stuff that's amazing like that is yeah all crazy. my like thermal two duration moves. stuff is all sold Dude, I went through two moves and those all my heli gear was like moving everything around, stacking stuff up. Oh, wait, I got my helicopter. I just set it right there all nice and gentle. Okay, okay. And I'll move all the other <laughs> shit, you know. But yeah, they survived, man. I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be old and gray with a freaking Parkinson's disease trying to hold shit together and turning the expo way up. Way up. Way, way <laughs> up. the shake. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you bet. And wow, then big, dark quick. big nerf paddles on my switches, you know, for my rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm just going in. <laughs> oh, my God. This is quite the picture you're painting here. How many problems are you going to get, have? Dude, probably not that many. I'll have to get a raw 580 like you got, Nick, because apparently you can stuff it over and over. Uh, actually, I was going to say, it's it, uh, Dan, I think the raw 700, not that you crash regularly or anything, but like it's a really beefy modern heli. It crashes pretty well. I mean, a ton of guys have stuffed those in. And rebuilt them 12 times over and they still fly great. Yeah, it's, it's just, they're everywhere, dude. Oh, they are? They're everywhere. Dude, get one of them gross-ass looking steam helicopters. They're like oh, ugly and cool looking. I, no. I want to try one maybe just to try it because it's a plastic and like I want to see what it what it looks, happens. It looks like my son built a heli Weird. It's like good. Yeah, it's like Godzilla <laughs> with blades on top. I if was kind know. of eyeballing Devin's Oxy, to be honest with you. Oh, that's, that's a great nice. Choice. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to nice. say, if you want a 700 and that's not super super popular, you should look at the new Soxos. You know, I, that's Shrike. a cool heli. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Soxos Shrike. Yeah. yeah, and the, the engineering in that, one. like the way the tail rotor is driven, like there's just some cool stuff in that bird. Yeah, it was. I was. I flew one when I was in England, the the newest edition with the new upgraded tail, and I was actually very impressed with it. What do those go for? Anybody know off the top of their head? I have no clue. No more than most 700s. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that they're much less either. But see, the nice thing about it is, is I don't. All I need is the airframe. Got everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm shit. I'm better than halfway there. Yeah, that's most of the battle, honestly, these days. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, that's actually a good point, and I was actually considering that, and I, I 
I know a couple guys that fly that heli and, and just enjoy the shit out of it. They're on the West Coast, though. Uh, Maddox Heli, you guys might recognize that name. Used to ride motorcycles with that guy. There's a, there's a couple of the yeah, Carolina nice. boys have Soxos. Um, is it Tanner, I think, has one? And I think there's one other as well around there. You might get a chance to see one at uh, Rotor City. Fantastic. Race City, whatever it's called. Well, anyway, I think maybe we should go into news. Oh, I got a couple more quick bullets. I'll be real fast, I promise. Oh, come on, man. Oh, jeez. Holy moly, God. (laughs) Go ahead. Anyway, real quick Oh, you're not done with your crash story. No, the crash story is long done. A couple of simple things. The thing I'm most excited about, so I I do all my heli building in the garage currently, which I have a nice big bench there for. It's where I film all my build videos and stuff, but there's no air conditioning in there. There's no heating in there. And I have an attached air-conditioned office to that, and I finally rearranged it. Uh, last week and I'm moving my build bench in there. I'm moving all the content studio stuff, cameras, lights, all that stuff's moving into there. So I'm going to have a nice like lockable. So my kids can't get to my tools and touch anything on the bench, uh, space in there. So I'll be filming content in there and I'm getting that built out. So that's cool. I'm excited that it's a space I can just leave set up all the time. So I can literally walk in, press record, do whatever I want. So that'll be you studio nerd. Yeah, Uh, that's pretty cool. It's, a yeah, ho- that's it's another p- hobby within the hobby. Like all that video recording stuff, content oh, stuff yeah. is, is just fun. I dude, yeah, I, I, I wanted I to try that. Yeah, same here, dude. But it was like once I realized how much other stuff I'd have to do on top of the thing I wanted to do, I was like, uh, I, that's not my hobby. And I backed away from it. But that's pretty yeah, but badass. You did, it. you did it a few times. And you did a pretty damn good job I, of it. No, I'm saying I'm talking about like content creation, like vloggers and shit do it these days. Like Nick's doing his build videos like heli direct is doing with their stuff like um this josh bardwell guy does with his stuff in the drone world like bot grinder does mr steel these guys they they you know nick they have all these you know you got all the cameras you got the lights you got all this gear recording uh uh hard drives freaking sd cards coming out of your ass you know a, a computer licenses for whatever video software time time yeah. you have to have time for all that you know gobs uh, of it Dude, so I think, again, yeah, Studio Nerd, it's super cool. It's pretty cool you're doing that, Nick, and that you actually have the time to do that, plus your job, plus fly the helis as much as you do. So yeah, kudos. You just don't sleep is, is the trick. And actually, speaking of uh-huh. all that, uh, the Nimbus 550 build video series I've been working on, that a number of guys have, have reached out to me going like, man, when are you going to release that? Um, it's almost finished. I'm 95% done with the edit. I got like just the maiden to edit and then it's done. So that's Word. almost ready to go. That'll be released real soon. Um, but yeah, each part of that, you know, it's like a seven part series takes about four hours worth of edit time, not including yeah, shoot time. So I anyway, bet, I bet um, wow. that's done. And then one last thing, um, I saw a post on the hangout the other day of Scott Graham was, uh, trying to swap a three bladed head for the raw for a two bladed head and whatever. We ended up messaging back and forth and, uh, I bought a three-bladed head for my raw and tail uh, off oh, of Scott. Fun. So that's in the mail. We'll hopefully be there when I get back. That'll um, be fun so, to play with, dude. Yeah, I've never done sure. a three-bladed head, so I'm kind of excited to give it a try. If I don't like it, I'll just take it off and sell it again. Um, but uh, I'm pretty excited to give it a try. So that's on the winter project list of stuff to try out next year. So they sound pretty about that. Cool. But that's amazing. weird. Yeah, the only thing that's weird about the three-blade that I was never able to grasp was blade tracking i was yeah, never that, able to do it I, yeah it, i suspect that's going to take a lot of patience here's yeah. the trick here's the trick all you need is red yellow blue a little piece of tape and move them separate spots on the blade and as you look down the disc you'll see which one's out 
You just got to put them next to each other and have them be different colors. Yeah, there's a video on YouTube by a guy named John Salt, who's kind of a, one of the original like content creators on YouTube for Heli stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And he he does a piece with blade tracking with blade tape. The other thing yeah. I have in my back pocket is Mikel Graham, who's a he's a Horizon hobby pilot, um, flies here in Atlanta, and he loves three blade stuff. So he's tuned Perfect. a ton of them. He's flown a ton. So I'm just gonna you know make sure Mikel's out on the maiden day. And, uh, you know, have them help me through it. There's a couple other guys who've flown three blades too, but, uh, you know, definitely will not be afraid to lean on those guys to help me get it dialed in. We used to have to use blade tape all the time back when we were building our own blades, our own woodies. You ever built your own blades, Nick? No. Devin? Uh, I have not. I've flown woodies. I have not built them. Thunder Tiger used to sell a kit to build your own woodies. That's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) get me a woody that's right Gets so you would build it all excited. you would put the root on like the where you yep. mount on the blades put the little the brass insert in the hole and did you cover them or shrink them too you did. Or? it came yeah, with yeah, the like shrink, shrink wrap. wrap or something right and then you would yeah. epoxy the root yeah on. dude then huh. you'd have to balance them and and yeah it was yeah then of course the tracking was always an issue because no one really had. Ron Lund had a really good balancer, and I I still have that somewhere. Um, Is that but, the one with the bearings in it, and you yeah, got the rod in there. I can't, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty neat contraption. I don't really remember how to use it. It's been so long, ten plus years ago. Uh, haven't used it. Uh, some guys still use it today, just to make sure that their carbon fiber blades are matched up nicely. I weighed and balanced the 600 blades and realized I didn't even have to do it because <laughs> they were right on. I'm sure, I'm sure all these newest, the newer stuff is probably the specs yeah, are so tight, you yeah. know, but. Yeah, the, the time you end up these days checking balance on blades is when you accidentally put four of the same blade somewhere in your blade bag and get them confused and you're like, oh, shoot. Oh, you just need shit. to like put them back in pairs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, um, I rarely have to mess around with tracking in today's world with the tools that we have available to us. But anyway, you sure you're done, Nick? Because, you yep. know, I don't want to, you know, far be it for me to keep you from going on and on and on. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. Silence. Matt with silence. Rob, it's time for some news. 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 All right. <laughs> news just a couple of things this week to talk about uh the first is that torque servos uh, top of the line hlx servos which are very popular but certainly have come at a premium price point until now they've actually just announced a recent price drop to bring them back a little closer to their competition uh they were uh, 195 dollars for the cyclics and tail servos in the hlx line they've dropped them to 159 dollars so pretty significant uh price drop there uh, and uh, just FYI, not long before we got rolling with uh, V3 here of RCHN Torque, also announced the T-Box servo programmer. So not only are the HLX servos, uh, you know, fantastic uh, high-end servos, they're also fully programmable. So you can set the center point from the T-Box external programmer box. So you don't need an app or a phone or anything. It's just a $30, $35, I think, programmer box. 
and you can flip them from 1520 to 760 so you can take advantage of say the cgy 760 if you want to run the servos of 760 and they also have a programmable center point so you can center your servos uh, I definitely, uh, when I have another build uh, that I need service for, I think I'm going to give them a try. They're certainly intriguing, especially at that new price. Um, and honestly, at this point, I'm just not interested in any servo that's not programmable anymore. So I just, I'm, I'm kind of into this this idea of not having any, you know, sub trim or whatever you want to call it, no zero, you know, point adjustment in the FBL. So the FBL is all at zeros. You do all the the zeroing of your swash, you know, in the in the servo programming. So. Um, those are pretty cool. So excited to give those a try at the new price. Um, any of you guys tried programmable servos yet? Um, yes, I have. I have the KST X20s with the program box, the same one that Torx has, and it is amazing. Yeah. Do you think, so this is the big question. I mean, this is really a larger conversation for maybe another episode, but do you think it makes a difference having zeros in your, in your FBL for center point? I think it does. Yeah, I do. Too. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we'll dig into that further in another episode, I'm sure. So I got these Hyperion servos. They're programmable with the little dongle or whatever. Probably not as fancy as these ones. I don't think they're brushless or anything like that. But dude, they're badass. And yeah, just just a little bit of program to center with the, the programmer helps a ton. You know, I don't know. if I don't know. I think it's a little bougie, <laughs> to be honest with you, but um, that's that's my two cents. I think programmable servos are nice because it gives you a little ad- added flexibility and it's the extra gadget you can play with. Do I think it's necessary? Nope. No. No. I not agree. at all. It's not. It's just a mental thing, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Because we've been, Jesus, man. I mean, I do. I don't know. I remember. Flying with non-digital servos. Dude, I remember having to have the bag full of horns and going through like 12 of them until you found one that was close you know, enough. Man, I, I remember yep. going uphill both ways in the snow to school with no shoes. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. With you. Like, it's a nice to have. And, you know, I, and does it make an actual difference? I think it does. I think it's a minor difference, though. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it'll think make a difference for me. I don't yeah. think it'll make a difference for me. But I I am totally uh, stoked to try it. I mean, I, I'm I'm... I think in my mind, cool. I'll be able to say that heli is set up fucking spot on. Yeah. But when I'm out flying it, I'm going to say, yeah, I don't know if this one is, I don't know if, you know, if I had two of them set up exactly the same one with one without, I'm not going to be able to tell you <laughs> which one but, has it. But see, Dan, though, here's the thing. If you would have had the torque servos and the T-Box and all that stuff before you put it in the beans, you could have said, I just, I must not have used the T-Box right. Well, no. Damn it. Dude, what it boils down to is if I'd have had the new Neo with the higher speed yeah. processing, you that shit would have never happened. You would have got it, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, yeah. You got to release that thing and we'll crash less. I know, right? All right, so XL Power owners, let's chat for a minute here. Listen up. So if you have a Nick Maxwell Edition Spectre V2 or you purchase the upgraded tail shaft with the tapered end for the Nimbus 550, listen up. Uh, XL Power has just recalled the tail shaft for the Nimbus 550, only the tapered one, not the stock one, uh, meaning there's a sort of tapered tip towards on the end of the shaft as it enters the tail hub. Uh, and same for the Nick Maxwell edition. So regular Spectre V2s are not affected here. It's just the Nick Maxwell editions. I'm going to read the press release to you now. It says, uh, it's come to our attention that the recently released tapered end tail shaft 
version XL70T13-1 for the Spectre V2, included in all Nick Maxwell Edition kits or available as an optional upgrade, so if you went and bought one. Uh, and the Nimbus 550 Tailshaft optional part, XL52T15-1, have a material manufacturing fault. Uh, we advise that all customers with a tapered version tailshaft discontinue flying this part, effective September 9th, 2022. Uh, they go on to say that they're extremely sorry for the inconvenience and have started as quickly as possible to prepare replacement shafts made from the correct specification. Uh, thanks for your understanding and loyalty to the XL Power brand. Um, so if you've got, you know, a Nimbus 550 or Nix Macwell edition here that has that tapered MCF, you should bench them right now. Uh, from what I understand, the metal was not hardened properly uh, or to specification, and the tail shafts can actually bend in flight, causing, as you can imagine, uh, not uh, not great performance, obviously. You know, if you're lucky, Pretty you'll be able to tail notice it land it, or if you're unlucky, it'll bend enough to cause a crash, and uh, I'd hate to see that happen. That's um, nice what I understand <laughs> from talking at the folks at uh, Heli Direct, XL Power is hustling to fix this. They're, they are not messing around or playing. Um, new tail shafts should be with most XL Power dealers in the United States before the end of the month. Hopefully in people's hands by the end of the month is the goal. I know Heli Direct is planning on sending one out to anyone that has purchased one of these. Uh, you know, Reach out to uh, the dealer where you purchased the kit from. And, you know, just send customer service an email or give them a phone call and they'll, you know, make sure you're on the list at wherever uh, you purchased it from and they'll get you out a new tail shaft uh, free of charge. And, That's pretty uh, swift catch for them, guys. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, again, it's this trend like SAB that we were talking about last week that, you know, recognizes a fault, uh, immediately announces it and then, you know, hands out a free fix for it. So, you know, I will applaud XL Power for their efforts there. Uh, you know, these yeah, things happen, right? You know, obviously... XL Power can't manufacture all of this stuff in-house. You know, they probably order these from a supplier, you know, to a specification. And, you know, sometimes things happen. So good on them for fixing it. I'm waiting for the next press release talking about an issue that they have with their helicopter. What do you mean? I'm waiting for the one that says, oh, shit, we didn't mean to engrave every single part with the Nick Maxwell <laughs> signature. <laughs> so just send those back and we'll get you some some normal ones. <laughs> I saw so, one this there, last week. There you go. So I'm going to throw Sean Hall under the bus here a little bit. So when we were with Nick filming for HeliDirect, uh, I had made a joke privately to Sean, you know, about the number of signatures on the kit. And Sean, as they're standing there, he's like, hey, Nick, are you going to tell Nick Maxwell about how you don't like all the signatures all over his kit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I turned like 19 shades around. I'm like, no, nah, uh, man, I'm good. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it was pretty good. He got me good. But uh, that's uh, that's all I have for news. Dude, there's one other story running about on uh, various Facebook groups. I'm surprised you didn't mention. What you got? So there's a, uh, apparently, Bert Camera shows uh, there's a, a scam site trying to sell goblin kits. Did you guys see this? I oh, dude, yeah, that. I saw that. It was like $69 yeah. for the whole kit. Yeah. Jeez. So buyer beware. Obviously, those of us who are in the hobby can look at that and go, <laughs> yeah, okay, what crack have you been smoking, right? I mean, but somebody getting into the hobby, you know, they've just got their Blade 300 or whatever. They might go, holy shit, that sounds like a good deal. Beware. If, it, if the deal's too good to be true, it's, it's too good to be true. I mean, that's crazy good to be true. They were like less yeah, than 80 bucks for a 700 size heli. 
I wonder if they would have got more takers, if they would have been a little more reasonable with that, you know, maybe, I don't know, 600. Exactly. You know what I mean? Many ideas. (laughs) Just be sure who you're buying your shit from. How's that sound? A hundred percent. Rob, you got any news? You got to have some news, right, Rob? Something, nothing. Um, well, I saw on this one website, um, a guy's coming out with a new um, drivetrain, like a heli drivetrain, that instead of using an electric motor, it's going to use a small wheel with like eight tiny mice in there. <laughs> and, and they run towards this little pile of cheese that you put where norm- you would normally put the speed controller because that's how you want to control how much cheese you put in there it's how fast they go um and then they have like this huge like array of drive gears that go back to the main blades to get them to go fast enough um it's an ultralight you know it's maybe like a 200 class heli or whatever and uh, apparently the mice last like two or three months and then wow. you just replace them every now and then and then you can fly again just feed them to know. your pet snakes yeah, hell, if you got that, then you're, you know, you're thinking green, I guess, you know. Is there, is there like a vegetarian version that runs on beans for Dan? Oh. <laughs> yeah, we should make that for sure. A little bean, a little gas bladder. <sighs> I you and I just expands and contracts. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Cool. Let's make one that runs off the power of the super shiny sweatpants. There oh, you go. my God. It's the friction the sparks generated as you walk. <laughs> yeah, the fuck's the pastor. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that's news. Plus, Devin, do you have anything? Do you have uh, anything you can share with us, Devin? Share with you? Not currently, no. I don't have any new news. What? Okay. No new news. Well, I guess that's news. News, yes. All right, so this week, guys, we're going to talk about batteries, battery, well, battery chargers, maybe. Maybe a little bit of battery talk in there, but mostly battery chargers. And, you know, a lot of us, I've made my own charging case. I find it to be a pain in the ass. And frankly, I'm a little bit of afraid of electricity. It's like religion. It needs to be feared. So I have a tendency to want to buy my charging cases these days, although I have built a couple in the past. Normally with um, server power supply units and... Uh, kind of wiring those in together and then uh, adding in chargers of my choice. Sometimes in cases, sometimes not. I prefer the cases. But this week we're going to talk a little bit about specking out a charger, understanding and being realistic with yourself on what your requirements are. You know, I think one big, it's a fairly significant investment. So future proofing is always good to the best of your ability within your means, obviously, but Lots of ways to go down this road, and and, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the various options, building your own versus buying your own, how do you spec out stuff, you're going to buy your, build your own, and, and, you know, lots of places out there to buy. I have my favorite places. There's two places I've I've bought them from in the past. RC Squared, Joe Cashwell. A lot of you guys might know Joe Cashwell. Makes a pretty damn good charger. But I'm also a big fan of Progressive RC. Um, It's kind of the go-to in the heli world been very 
active in the RC heli community for quite some time. But they, you know, just like everybody else, they're branching out to these new, uh, what do they call those pieces of shit? Multi-rotors. Yeah, those things. Oh, Probably yeah. The, yeah, the drones. <laughs> yeah. Drones. Anyway. I had a guy look at my, he watched me fly the T-Rex 600 the other day, and I landed. And I'm not shitting you, dude. He walked up to me, he goes, hey, man, that thing's pretty cool. What is that? Is that a drone? Does that have a camera on it? And I was like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's an RC helicopter, my friend. You know, I didn't, whatever, you know, I, the guy had no idea. But to, for me to know the difference and to hear the guy be like, is that a drone? And I have a six, a 50 class helicopter sitting on the ground. Yeah. That, that would be a 600, that. Nick, 50 class, just, just in yep. case. You, yeah. Yep. You got yep. that? I've, I've got my you know, old people decoder ring. <laughs> you're heli abacus <laughs> hey you're an old people i know that's about but i still got away with the joke so there we go yeah that's a good one i liked it all right rob what are god damn it who god are you people uh, i did not guessing. take my aerocept hashtag aerocept hey <laughs> nick go, right. go ahead and google that guys you'll understand that joke will make sense when you google it i gotta google aerocept <laughs> all right all right nick why don't you start us off on this all right. Since you did most of the research here. Give us the beans, Nick. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about battery chargers. You know, for some of you, this is going to be kind of a review or uh, boring information. But you know, we really want to keep in mind, um, and this is going to be kind of a recurring theme around here, folks coming back into the hobby and maybe wanting yep. a little more information as to what the latest and greatest is to offer. And also, you know, beginners getting started, right? You know, folks coming from, you know, maybe a blade helicopter who are, you know, want to step it up. And uh, we want to sort of... We're going to start with some background info to sort of help guide your process into how you would choose a charger, right? So uh, we're going to start there. So let's go ahead and, and kind of dig into this here. So the first thing you want to do is, is just identify your basic charger requirements, right? Like what are your basic needs out of a charger? Are you someone that flies, you know, 6S packs, which refers to the number of cells in the pack? Uh, are you going to move up to 8S and are you going to, you know, eventually get to a 12 cell, you know, a 12S 700 size? And, you know, Dan kind of alluded to this uh, when he was talking about future proofing. And this, I think, is honestly the most important thing to consider in your charge setup because you should be really honest with yourself here, right? So many of us start out in the hobby. We say, oh, I'm just going to fly, you know, 500 size helis and below a 6S 5000 is the biggest battery I will ever have to charge. The 550 is the biggest heli I'm going to get. And then what happens is we end up buying our charging setup twice, which gets really expensive or additionally expensive yep. um, because we buy the initial charger that takes care of those first needs, especially guys like me that started with, you know, micros in the hobby. And then we inevitably end up because I think, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is. I would guess around 80% of guys who get really deep into uh, the heli hobby end up with a 12S 700 and if you have a charger that to charge a 12S pack is going to take you an hour and a half um, because it's a much smaller charger, that's no good, right? So um, right. be wary of what you purchase. So pay attention. You know, We'll take you through kind of uh, the different ways here and things to consider um, to hopefully help you future-proof yourself here. So if you have a 12S battery, right, one of the things you got to think about is how you want to charge that now. So some of the newest chargers on the market like the ISDT X16 can actually charge this as a native 12S pack. So what do we mean when we say that, right? So typically the way we've been flying uh, a 12S helicopter is with two 6S batteries. 
that are separate. And when we, you know, we link them together to power the helicopter as a 12S pack, and then we separate them to charge them as two individual 6S packs. And we might parallel charge the battery where we're plugging both batteries into the same charger, but the charger is really seeing this as one 6S battery um, via some Y cables uh, that marry the parallel charge cables as well as the power cables from the battery. Or we're plugging them into two separate outputs of two chargers as two separate 6S packs. But now chargers like the X16, literally you can have a 12S battery with a positive and negative power lead sticking out the front uh, and one gigantic 12S balance lead on it. Um, so if you're in the market for a brand new charger, that's something to think about, right? If you don't own any 12S packs, you could go to this new system on all of your batteries and uh, only have one cable to plug in instead of four power cables and two balance leads uh, with two that's separate cool. 6S packs. It's very cool. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that uh, down the line. And then I don't know if any of us, maybe uh, Devin, do. Uh, I don't have any 7S or 8S packs, but those are becoming really popular, either in the 600 class. So, you know, 600 pilots, you know, Rob, I know you've got, what, 3,300 12S in your uh, 600. Is that right? Yeah, 33. But a lot of guys now are putting 7 and 8S packs in there instead. So they're getting a lighter 600, but they've got a little more voltage with the more cells. And it gives them enough kick. And motor manufacturers are catching on to this as well. So they're releasing, uh, you know, these motors sort of designed for the 7 and 8S for a 600 size heli. uh, Making that, you know, a really appealing option. And most of the chargers that you might find in your initial research won't charge anything bigger than 6S. So if you want to really future-proof yourself, you know, making sure your charger can go to more than and six cells is something to think about, right? You definitely want to be able to go to, to 7 or 8S down the road. Um, my charge setup, 6S is the max, um, which is probably the biggest reason I honestly haven't tried uh, anything like that. You know, I do fly a variety of 12s and 6s stuff but uh, i haven't tried 7 or 8s yet because i just don't want to make the extra investment right now in another charger so that's one place you know i can raise my hand and say i failed to future proof myself uh in my defense those packs have only really become popular in the last year or year and a half or so yeah for sure i tried 8s once a long time ago on my uh the gaui 550 but the way that bird is set up is to gain to do um six cell you have to do two three cell packs because it won't fit one brick so yeah. you have to do two pack any so i had two four cell packs so i could still charge them as four cells separately so i tried eight it was pretty neat but having a charger that will do one eight cell pack is super choice yeah what about you Devin? any seven or eight s stuff um i do want to say probably going five five years ago to eight years ago seven s used to be really big because you know what was really popular you had the old um mikado 800 extreme from back in the day you had the t-rex yeah. 800 dfc and a lot of people ran those on 14s which is two 7s packs yep and yeah and that was pretty prevalent in the speed scene too i don't know what they're doing nowadays but yeah. the 14s packs are what people were running yes yes and, I mean, and stuff i think nowadays in the speed, they're starting to step up towards like 16s and stuff Jesus like that. Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Damn. Yeah, <laughs> they're crazy. getting they're just going bigger. And but it, as we've gotten more modern towards you know 2022 here, uh, people are starting to step off the 14s because 14s stick packs are crazy expensive, crazy expensive, and 
they're stepping more into like, I'm going to build a lightweight seven, eight S machine. That's just seven or eight S, which really puts a demand on what charging you need to have, because it's not a very wide variety of chargers that can do the seven and eight S option. Yep. Your costs per chargers have a tendency to go up quite high when you start getting into above six S doesn't it? Or is it yeah. relatively? Yeah, it does. I just remember yes they used to be no. a lot more expensive. Cause like I, mean, for, I, I have, um, I have a char- an eye charger 30, uh, 308. And when that came out, that's a pretty old charger nowadays. And then they have the 4010 as well. They were pretty expensive chargers, not like the newer stuff that just came out, like the X. It's like a couple hundred bucks, the 308B. You're talking about the I308B? It was like yeah. 249 bucks or something when it first came out. Yeah, sure. yeah. I, think three, I think the 308 was a little bit more than that. Or the 306 yeah, maybe was like, well, maybe it was because the 306 know. was like 150 $156. Yeah, I I just remember back then the elite chargers were like it felt like they started at two forty nine and went up to like three hundred ninety nine or something. Yeah, yeah, and just for those of you that don't know, the chargers they're talking about there are DC powered, so there's an additional cost of a power supply needed as well right. to get you from AC yeah. to DC. So yeah, which actually lines up well with our next point here, which is all right. So the the first category of consideration when you're picking your charger is how many cells do you need to charge at once. You know, is it six, 12, seven, eight S, et cetera. Uh, the next thing to think about is how do you want to power your charger? Um, and the factors to consider here. So uh, all chargers are, are DC powered, essentially. It's just a matter of does it include a built in power supply? We kind of I'm going to refer to those as all in one chargers, right? So the, the ISDT X16 or the ISDT K4 has a built in power supply. So there's an AC power cord that you can plug into the wall of your house that just comes out of the unit. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean it's AC powered. There's still a power supply in there, um, but it's all in one unit. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go find a separate power supply. Whereas a lot of the smaller chargers you'll find uh, or see in people's charge cases uh, are actually DC powered. So what we do is we go out and we find a separate power supply. And there's a few ways to do that. Uh, we're not going to dig into that in too much depth here, but you know, you can buy an all-in-one Meanwell power supply that you literally plug AC into one end and DC current comes out the other side. Or you can you know, wire up a couple of uh, server power supplies together and float the ground and, and go through that process, uh, which if you don't know what you're doing, I would not advise. Um, it's scary. Yeah, if you don't know, and, it's scary. Yeah, and I it's a lot say, less expensive uh, to go just that road. Though- to kind of preface that, there are some amazing because I did it, and I'm fearful. I'm deathly fearful of like yeah, I did it too. Yeah, and there's some really good guides if if I could figure it out. But you know, it, back when we did it though, Dan, there wasn't really any good options these days. There's some really great high well, watt plug and play DC were, power supplies. You know, I don't know, I don't know what the price of the Meanwell, but the Meanwell was an option back then too. The 2000 watt, 48 volt, whatever it was. Yeah, but it was expensive. I got my power supplies for like, like 40 bucks for two of them or something like that. Yeah, yes. I mean, a meanwhile is going to run you, you know, several hundred, you know, 300. It depends on the size. There's a lot of, you know, options and sizes, but uh, they are not inexpensive. They're built like tanks, though. They will not go bad. They'll last forever. But uh, you pay a premium yeah. for that. Um, but and you don't die when you try to make it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the route I went when I put my charge case together is because I, I just, you know, I was like, I'm just going to buy the meanwhile, you know, 2000 watt, 24 volt power supply. It's done. Yeah. I don't have to think about it. It's got all the nice terminals on it. Like there's no soldering. It's just easy. Um, well, it's fancy like the rest of your cases, man. Your case is nice. 
Thanks. Uh, it's also very small and low profile, so it doesn't take up as much room as maybe two power supplies might, well, although it depends on, on which way you go. But I don't want to get too deep into that uh, for this portion. So uh, the other thing we got to think about here is we're, we're talking about power supplies or all-in-one units is, is where is this charge setup going, right? So think about what kind of uh, method are you going to use to charge your batteries? Are you someone who's going to wake up in the morning and charge all your batteries at home on your workbench and then just take charge packs to the field and go fly those batteries and then come home? You know, that's it. Or are you someone that wants to have a charge solution that you can put in the car and take to the field with you and maybe power it off of if you're lucky to have a club that has AC power available or you've got a little generator you're going to bring with you to provide AC power? Uh, so you've got to think about the, the form factor here, right? So if you're going the power supply route with a power supply and say you've got two small DC chargers, you're going to link to this power supply. It becomes a lot of wires here, right? You've got AC power into the power supply and then you've got power leads to each of the two chargers and the leads from that. And if you just pull all that out of a cardboard box as this janky mix of parts and pieces, it's kind of a pain. So you really want to think about either building it into a charge case or purchasing a charge case. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Dan, you know, touched on that uh, earlier. Uh, building a charge case is, it's almost another one of those hobby within a hobby. You start out with good intentions and you buy all the parts and then you realize it's going to take you, you know, three months of spare time. Um, if you still want to keep flying while you're building this thing to get the thing done and finished the, the level you want. And about 72 times in the process, you're going to realize you didn't buy the right parts and you're going to order extra battery terminals and more <laughs> heat shrink and, you know, a different terminal to route the 12 volt wiring to the fan and the USB charger and, you know, all the yep. stuff you sort of discover along the way the first time you build one. Um, and then if you make the mistake of actually doing the math of what it costs you to build one yourself versus buying a, you know, pre-made and designed one from Progressive RC or, you know, a number of other great sources, you realize that it's not terribly cost effective to build it yourself either. Uh, the pre-made ones are actually fairly cost effective. Um, so thinking about this form factor, right? Chargers, power supplies, AC, DC, what's available at my field. Some fields even actually have, uh, like Torches in Orlando has sort of a solar powered uh, battery setup that you can actually get DC power at the field. So they can take a DC charger and just plug it into that nice. supply. Uh, which is pretty cool. So think about all those things. What power is available at the field? Do you have a generator? Are you charging at home? Are you charging at the field? Uh, and, you know, help that, you know, guide your decision-making process. So kind of like go through all these things, answer these questions, write it down. And then at the end of this, you'll have all the answers and you'll be able to say, I want to check these four boxes. This is clearly the charger for me. Um, and if you don't go through that process, you can really end up buying twice here. Um, one other quick thing I want to talk about while we're talking about power supplies here uh, is marketing information, right? So as you shop for chargers, you have to pay close attention to the input power, meaning how much power does it consume, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're going to get into sort of wattage of batteries and how to spec a charger uh, in just a minute here. But uh, most chargers on the market that are DC powered, meaning you're using a separate power supply or even AC powered as well, have a maximum output power or wattage um, that they will only reach when they're fed the maximum input power. So if it's an AC power charger, like the ISDT X16, one of these all-in-one uh, boxes, and you power it at 110, you only get 800 watts of output per charge channel. But if you power it at 220 volts, you get, uh, I think it's 1,200 or 1,600 watts, 1,600 watts, I want to say, uh, of charge power per channel 
right? But of course, the marketing material in big flashy letters has the larger wattage output. Um, but here in the U.S. anyway, uh, you won't get that unless you you know have an electrician put a 220 volt outlet uh, in your house. Yeah, unplug your washer. <laughs> um, exactly right. Uh, there are people that do that. Uh, and then the same thing happens for, you know, smaller chargers, right? Um, I run the Spectrum S1500 DC chargers in my charge case. I have four of these small chargers built into my case. Uh, and those can be powered anywhere from 12 to 24 volts DC. Now, if I power them at 12 volts DC, I'm only going to get half the wattage output that I would get than if loosely than if I power them at 20 vo- 24 volts DC. So ideally, when you're putting a charge setup together, you want your power supply to feed the maximum input voltage to your chargers. It'll keep them happier, they'll run cooler, and they'll have them, they'll help you get the maximum wattage output that's listed in the specifications. So don't get fooled by that. I know you know some folks will put together a whole charge case and then they're disappointed by the, you know how much output they can actually get out of the thing. Uh, and that's why. Yeah. Um, because you yeah. really want to make sure you give them the maximum uh, input voltage. Another right. thing to remember too, this is a mistake that I made when I bought my first charger. Uh, and I realized, hey, I want to be able to do a six cell batteries, right? Um, I bought this little Turnigy 50 amp six cell, or I'm sorry, a 50 watt five amp six cell charger. I'm like, oh, cool. It'll do five amps. This will be great, right? But then I didn't realize that uh, when I plug in like a 4,000 milliamp six cell battery and I turn it all the way up to five amps, I'm going to hit my wattage ceiling way before I get to that amperage for that battery. And really that battery is only going to charge it. I think it only charges it like 2.2 amps on the thing is what I max out at on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're, so, you know, half a C essentially. And we're, that's actually. Yeah. You know, so when you're considering what kind of batteries you have, you got to think about that. Cause for me, I started new and I didn't understand the, the amperage versus wattage relationship. And I was like, great, I can do five amps on this. Well, no, it's only 50 Watts total power output that I'm going to get out of this thing. So however many amps I can pull on a particular pack, I could, I could hit five amps on a small, like a two cell battery or something like that. You know what I mean? Or a three cell, but not on a six cell. So that's a consideration you got to make too. You know, you almost have to overthink that part of it. Exactly. And that's actually a perfect segue. to the next part of consideration here is we're going to sort of pause for a minute and talk about the rates we charge batteries at, and then how to do the math backwards to figure out how much charge output you need, how much charge current uh, do you need, um, so that you can avoid you know, the situation that Rob was just talking about here. So yeah. when we decide how fast we're gonna charge our batteries, we typically do it by, a, uh, by, by C, right, or capacity of the battery. So we'll say I charge at 1C or 2C or 3C, and what we mean is I charge at one times the capacity of the battery uh, as an amperage. So we're going to teach you how to do the math here to figure out uh, you know, how this all works. So I'm going to give you an example here. So the most common size battery we use uh, for larger helis in the hobby is a 5,000 milliamp uh, 6S battery, right? So a 5,000 milliamp battery charged at 1C or one times capacity would be charged at a charge current of five amps. All right, so we're gonna convert milliamp uh, or milliamp hours to amps here. Uh, so we divide by a thousand. So we go from 5,000 uh, milliamps to five amps. And then we know that five amps is one times the capacity of that battery. So we set our charger to output five amps into a 6S battery. 
Now, most folks in the hobby will charge at two times capacity of the battery. This has been well proven and documented to not harm your batteries. It doesn't reduce the lifetime of your batteries a ton. Uh, and it is also a good balance between if you charge your batteries at, you know, 3C, 4C, 5C, you know, yes, the battery may be ready to do that. But if you do that all the time, you will slowly reduce the lifetime of the battery. Uh, you know, every battery has a finite number of charge cycles or number of times it can be charged and discharged. Uh, and if you're nicer to it by charging it at a lower current, uh, over time that, you know, the battery will last a little bit longer. Uh, so most of us charge at 2C. We might charge at 3C at a fun fly when we're trying to get in the air because we're about to miss the auto contest uh, or higher. And that's fine to do once in a blue. I generally don't recommend doing that a ton. So a 6S 5,000 milliamp battery at 2C, we're actually just going to double what it is at 1C. It's that simple. So 5,000 milliamps divided by 1,000 is 5 amps. That's 1C times 2 is a charge current of 10 amps. So the most common uh, amperage that you would charge a 6S battery at for 2C is 10 amps. All right. Hopefully I haven't lost anybody here yet. All right. Can I can I inter interject? Yeah, of course you can. That's the reasonable approach. I don't yeah. do things reasonably. I charge at 5C. I mean, the thing is, is silence. You do that, right? <laughs> like as long as the manufacturer says that pack is, you know, able to be charged at that rate, you're, you're not taking I, any I, risk. I've you're just reducing the number of cycles of the battery. And that's yeah. just a personal I've choice. I've never looked to see if the manufacturer is okay with that. Devin, what are you chargers at? Um, I tend to charge mine at like one and a half C. I oh, take them geez, pretty what's easy. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I set my dial to 1.6475. Well, usually, <laughs> like, I fly, so I'm flying 12S3300s in my Oxy 5, and I'll charge them at like 5 amps. Yeah. Uh, Elaine, you should wow. make Dan move his charge setup to an external outbuilding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I got well, years and years of charging batteries at 5C with no issue. Now, granted, yeah, I understand that my batteries aren't aren't going to last. What do you mean, knock on wood? Come on, man. Just trying to keep you safe. Yeah, he's you still alive. It, Nick. Trying to keep You're you out of the beans. Crickets. You're really doing damn evil here. The thing is, I understand that it's going to lessen the life of the battery, but I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm still getting 200 cycles, 250 cycles out of these batteries. Yeah. Now, here, here's the caveat. And I will say this. This was very common because, you know, I don't think, I think I could fly. In fact, I know I can because I did. I had some spider packs that I was flying in the Forza before I built some 12S packs myself out of new, new batteries. Yeah. Dude, these spider packs, they, they were eight years old. They're still kicking butt. Well, for me, they were. Sure, but I'm sure yeah. Devin would go. Devin would probably would have flown them and said, "Jesus, man, these batteries suck." Devin would have probably set them on fire with his hotness. <laughs> I have done that before. But, you know. I don't know when it changed. <laughs> Maybe some listeners can kind of give me some input on that because I know those guys that have been listening for a long time. Back in the day, we used to charge. I mean, when I say we, most everybody used to charge at five C. Dude, that yeah. obviously has changed. Back when uh, and we got those OptiPower packs, that was one of the things that was the torture test: charge them at five C and fly them for like three or four cycles and see how they, how the, uh, you know, the internal resistance looks and this and that. Because yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. Lots of people charged fast back then. Right now, the one thing that we did do, and I don't know if this makes a difference, but I even remember having a conversation with Burt Cameron about this because he was doing the same thing 
And he would say, and of course, we all kind of did the same thing as the last charge of the day, we would charge it 1C, potentially lower than 1C, just to get a nice good balance charge in uh, when you were done, you know? Yeah, uh, just like next, a cool down charge. Yeah, yeah, that probably went a long way to undoing what damage you may have done. But anyway, I'm, you know, the things change and I get that. And I've been out of the hobby now for five years. And, and obviously there's, you know, they, they have weird names for, for standard shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> they charge their batteries at a 2C rate now, you know, yeah, or and, less. And honestly, I, I tend to be on the more conservative side of power. It's kind of a best practice in my industry. And that's kind of infiltrated the hobby side of my brain okay. as well. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong to charge at 3C, 4C, 5C. It's just not something I do. Um, okay. And on the conservative end of things, you know, I recommend 2C. But uh, one last quick example here uh, for the micro heli flyers here. So if you've got a 700 milliamp pack, same thing here, we divide it by a thousand. So our 1C charge current is 0.7 amps, so about three quarters of an amp. And our 2C rating is 1.4 amps, right? So now we know how to figure out our charge current. Uh, let's just talk generally about time, right? So in picking out your chargers, one of the things you want to think about is you look at how long it takes to charge a battery or how much output your charger has, meaning how fast can I charge at 1C on this charger? Can I charge a 2C on this charger? Is how long that takes, right? So a 1C charge uh, typically takes around 40 minutes, somewhere in that neighborhood. These are rough estimates. Every charger is a little bit different. But so imagine it taking you 40 minutes to fly. Now, if you're a charge at home person, and it takes you 40 minutes to charge a battery. Let's say for the sake of argument, your charger has two outputs and you have six batteries you like to take to the field. So that's three times in a row you need to charge your batteries for 40 minutes. So that quickly adds up to a whole lot of time, right? You're, you're over two hours of just charging batteries to get ready to the field. And the best practices say that you should be close to your charger and watch it throughout the entire charge cycle, right? You know, be in the same room as your chargers, be working on something. Don't leave battery chargers unattended. You know, most lipo fires happen either when a helicopter crashes and the pack is physically damaged or while the battery is being charged. Not many of them happen while the battery is just sitting on a table. So leaving batteries unattended is not recommended. So as you think about this and you do all this math, you know, think about all this time, right? Like, and the same thing, if you're at the field and it takes 40 minutes, how many batteries do you need to buy such that you can just keep flying? You know, I don't know how many flights an hour you want to do, but you want to sort of factor that math in too. Now a 2C charge takes about half that at 20 minutes. A 5C charge, I'm guessing, took about 90 seconds. How long did that take, Dan? Uh, I don't know. I think 10, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say about 8, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, think about that as, as you're, you know, specking the output of your charger here is your time is valuable, right? You don't want to be sitting at the field just charging batteries all day and getting four flights in because it took you 40 minutes to charge a battery. Um, all right. So, so now we know how long it takes. So now how much does it cost? Exactly. <laughs> so now that we've got some sort of basic concepts uh, taught here, we're going to start going to some examples here. Okay. So we can figure out what our wattage output is, right? Because it's funny. In, in like a lot of things in life, right? We talk about something in charge current, right? You know, we want to charge our 6S 5000s at 10 amps. But when we look at the specifications of a charger, it doesn't say charge current of 6S 10 amps. It says charge output 400 watts. Yeah. So, oh, more math. Oh, there's more yeah. math. Oh, oh there's more math coming. Sorry. I hate to be the bearer of, of math, but uh, here it comes. 
Um, so we're going to figure out how to, how to merge these two things we know, right? So we're building all these building blocks. Now we're going to do a little bit of math, and then we can talk about what we actually want to buy here. So we want to charge our single 6S 5,000 milliamp pack at 2C for a charge current of 10 amps. Now, charger specifications, as I just mentioned, are typically listed in watts of output. So we've got to do a little basic electrical math here. Again, remember what I said before, those watts are only if you give it the full input power the charger calls for. So keep that in mind as well. All right. So now we're going to visit our friends in West Virginia to figure that out. Right. And the reason I say that is, is there's a formula we use to do this electrical math, and that is watts equals volts times amps. Uh, we shorten that to WVA, West Virginia. And that's how you remember the formula, right? So we are going to work out our pack voltage. So if you have six cells that fully charged are 4.2 volts each, so six times 4.2 is 25.2 volts. So the pack voltage of a 6S pack is 25.2 volts. And the amperage we want to charge at is 10 amps. We can use this formula to determine that the charger output wattage required is about 250 watts to charge at 2C. All right, so let's take a look at the ISDT X16 charger. Now this charger has a built-in power supply that can run on 110 volts or 220 volts. Uh, for this example, we're gonna run it off 110 volt AC power. Now, if you read the specifications of the charger in the fine print, it says on US 110 volt AC power, it's got a maximum output of 800 watts total per channel. Now, when they say per channel on a charger, they mean separate configurable charger outputs, right? It means I can set how many cells, what the you know output current is in two separate places and charge two batteries independently and not parallel charging there on separate outputs or channels. Basically like two chargers in one box, kind of. Exactly. Thank you for phrasing that much better than I did there. Uh, <laughs> so we can do the math backwards here, right, to figure out our maximum charge current for a 6S pack. So if we know we have 800 volts in our case, that's six cells at 4.2 volts each for a total of 25.2 volts again. Uh, and we need to figure that out. So we're going to use a little algebra to rearrange our formula. And we're going to rephrase it as amps equals watts divided by volts. So in this example, we're going to plug this in. Uh, 800 watts divided by 25.2 volts, we get 32 amps of available charge current for a 6S pack. All right, so what does that mean? On this charger, we've Five got two. C, baby. <laughs> it sure does. So on this charger, we've got two 800-watt outputs. So we can charge two 6S packs at once. And with 32 amps available on each side of the charger, we can easily charge them at 2C or above. We could even, with all this power, parallel charge four batteries or two 12S packs, right? Because the 12S packs, a uh, 12S pack is essentially two 6S packs uh, married together uh, on this charger at a total current of 20 amps. Uh, on each side of the charger, so two 6S, two 6S 5000s per channel of the charger without this thing even breaking a sweat. So we've got tons of power here. So the ISDT X16, definite winner. It keeps our time savings in mind. We can charge two 12S packs. If we've got a couple of 700s, we could charge four 6S packs at once. If we parallel charge on our outputs, meaning we're marrying these two 6S batteries together uh, from the charge perspective. And that's great, right? So that's that's one example uh, of a really powerful charger and what kind of output we can get from it. So now let's so go. So basically, you could charge just well, basically everything as yeah. fast as you want. 
right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you've got a mix of 500 size and 700 size helis, you know, you can keep packs cranking on both sides, especially if you're willing to parallel charge and, you know, really keep your charger move in and keep you flying all day long. Uh, and it's why that ISDT X16, which is a fairly new charger on the market, is extremely popular. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a minute. All right. So now let's go the other way, right? We're going to go back to Rob's example of buying a charger that you read the specs and it says, you know, 2S to 6S. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is exactly what I need because I have 2S to 6S batteries. Well, let's do the math on one of these, right? So we're going to grab uh, what is a really uh, readily available AC powered charger uh, made by Spectrum. And you can find these in every hobby shop in America. This is the S2100. It's a two channel AC powered charger. And you can plug it to the wall uh, here and it's got two outputs. But this charger only has 200 watts available charge power. And if you read specifications on some chargers, some have like the, the ISTT X16 discrete power available for each channel. And some chargers uh, like this one and the ISDT K4 have a maximum number of watts shared across two channels. So this charger has 200 watts of total output. You could use 150 of them on one side and 50 on the other or you can use 100 on each side, but you don't get 200 watts on both channels. You get 200 watts total shared across the whole charger. All right, so let's pretend we're trying to charge two packs at once, right? So we're gonna say we've got a limit of 100 watts per channel here. And we're gonna use that same 6S 5000 milliamp pack. So again, 4.2 volts per cell times six, 25.2 volts overall pack voltage. So now for amps, we're gonna take 100 watts and divide it by 25.2 volts and we get essentially four amps as our maximum charge current. So at best, we could charge two 6S packs at four amps. That's a little bit less than one C. So it's probably going to take us about 50 minutes, just under an hour to charge each battery. So again, just because it says it can charge 6S doesn't mean it can do it quickly. And, you know, if you're a planker and you're flying a 6S 1000 milliamp pack, uh, you know, you, it will obviously charge a lot faster. But when you're up at, you know, a 5000 milliamp pack, it's going to charge a lot slower. Um, now, if we use this charger and we only charge one battery at a time, we can use the full 200 watt output of the charger and we'll get a total amperage of eight amps. And that gets us a little bit above one C, right? Because if one C is five amps, two C is 10 amps, we're eight amps right in the middle. So that's probably going to take us about a half an hour to charge a battery. So not great, but not completely unreasonable, but it's 30 minutes to charge one battery. So if you've got to repeat that to charge four packs, you're looking at two hours worth of charging on one charger. Okay, so hopefully that gives you kind of a, a different idea. That's sort of both extremes of the market, you know, a really powerful charger uh, and then one that's much less so as to, you know, what kind of time investment you're looking at and what kind of output total uh, you need to get your batteries charged. So now that we got all this information, I'm going to split this into a few different types of pilots and give you some sort of real world examples here and some options. And then we'll get into a little bit about talking about what we each individually use in our charge setups here. So pilot number one. This is our 6S and below pilot. The largest helicopter he flies is a 550. His largest pack is a 6S 5000. Uh, pilot number two will be our 12S packs and below. They fly 700s all day long. And pilot number three is our much more adventurous. Uh, she's got six to 8S packs. She flies 500s and 700s like the Puma on 8S. And she's got a Logo 800 running on 14S. Uh, so let's go through each of these in turn, and we're going to offer you some recommendations. Uh, what I picked out is kind of an all-in-one, you know, AC-powered, comes-in-a-box, all-done solution, as well as sort of a power supply and DC-based charger or charge case type solution for each of these scenarios. All right. Pilot 1, 6S and below, 
6s 5000 milliamp packs and smaller. Uh, we know from the above examples to charge that at 2C requires a wattage of 252 outputs minimum to charge at 2C. Uh, he also wants to be able to charge a minimum of two packs at once. So now he needs at least 500 watts of charger output spread across two channels if he does not want a parallel charge. Okay, so for this scenario, for the AC-powered all-in-one solution, he could compromise a little bit and go with the ISDT K4 charger. This has a built-in AC power supply, but has a total output power of 400 watts. So a little bit less than our ideal world scenario here. But he could charge each pack at 8 amps for about a 30-minute charge time. So he could charge two batteries in 30 minutes. Now, this solution is only going to run him about $225, so it's really cost-effective. And if he doesn't have a lot of batteries, or maybe he's got some micro helis that, you know, he can really quickly charge those batteries on this charger. And then oh, he's only going to charge two packs or maybe four packs for his bigger heli. Uh, it's not such a bad option. It's super simple. It's got the built-in power supply uh, and it's ready to go. Um, and much like the Spectrum S2100, it shares that 400 watts across two outputs. So he could charge, you know, one 6S pack at 2C uh, on one side of the charger as well uh, and speed things up. So that's the all-in-one unit if he went with a DC powered charger and a power supply combo. Um, a charge case that's got a thousand watt power supply and a pair of ISDT Q8 chargers in it. Uh, you can buy this case completely pre-built from Keith Williams over at kc3dprint.com for $750, right? So it's really great deal for you know folks getting into the hobby here. So for 750 bucks, I know that sounds expensive, but here's what you get. You can charge two 6S packs at 2C without any issue or four packs at 1C if you were to parallel charge two packs on each output right? So that's kind of your next step up here as you're sort of, you know, moving in towards higher power charge cases um, and gives you a decent amount of flexibility at the field without, you know, completely breaking the bank. Um, so that's pilot number one. Let's take a look at uh, pilot number two. So this is our 12S 5000 milliamp packs, fly 700s all day long. Uh, he does a mix of charging them as individual 6S packs. He parallel charges them in pairs of 6S packs as well. So for the AC powered all-in-one solution, I'm going to keep talking about this charger. Uh, if you can't tell by the end of the episode that I want one, um, you're not <laughs> listening. <laughs> so th there's really only one all-in-one solution I'm aware of, honestly, with the power to handle two 12S packs at once. And that's this ISDT X16 charger. 800 watts of power on both sides of two channels, more than enough grunt to charge two 12S packs at once at 2C, um, which is kind of our, our measure of progress here, right? That's what's going to keep us in the air. Um, but what if this pilot considers a power supply and charger solution or a charge case? Um, you know, he can consider a pair of ISDT P20 chargers with a 2000 watt power supply. Uh, this will easily get you four channels of charging that can each handle a 6S 5000 milliamp pack at 2C without trouble. So this is essentially powering two chargers off of one power supply uh, with a large enough power supply to handle that. So now I've got four channels of charging, right? So I could charge four 6S packs. Um, separately, I can charge two 12S packs and, you know, split the 6S packs up across the four channels. I can parallel charge on these. Uh, there's one of these for just over $1,000 at progressiverc.com. Uh, now, let's compare pricing here, right? When you're looking at this charge case with four channels of output, so more flexibility there, uh, this is just above $1,000, whereas the ISDT X16, two channels at 800 watts, so less power, um, but it costs a little, you know, a couple hundred dollars less, you know, the ISDT X16, uh, is just a little under $700, uh, I believe. 
So, you know, different, different things to think about, right? For a little bit more money. And it's like that with everything in the hobby, right? For a little bit more, you get more, a little bit more, you get more. And obviously you got to put a ceiling on it and, and stay within your budget uh, reasonably. All right. One last example. Uh, and this is our last pilot, pilot number three. She's into making the six size get the six S guys feel weak with her seven and eight S packs. Uh, she flies everything from 700s and 800s on 14S and helis like the raw Puma and the raw 580 on 7 and 8S setups at ridiculous head speeds. Okay, so for an all-in-one charger, again, there's really only one option on the market here uh, that's really going to handle all of those needs for everything from 14S to 12S to 7 and 8S, and that's the ISDT X16. That can actually manage packs all the way up to 16S. It can handle native 12S packs with a single balance lead on them. You can get a ton of different charge adapters for this thing, uh, both from ISDT as well as from some folks in the hobby who are making them uh, so that you can parallel charge, separately charge, you know, really tons of flexibility there. Uh, 12S, 8S, 6S, whatever you throw at this thing, it'll be great. So. But what if she wants something that really, like, not only does she make everyone envious when she flies, but when she throws her 400-pound charge case on the table, uh, everyone else is uh, got piles of envy here. So uh, here's another charge case I found from Progressive RC that's got dual ISDT P30 chargers in it with two separate 2,000-watt Meanwell power supplies in it. This thing has got gobs of power. Um, this setup costs you $1,700. It's overkill for most of us, but this Damn. is four channels of charge power for whatever you want to throw it at, uh, with any cell count from 2S to 8S. So you could charge anything you can think of in this thing. Um, it will cost you 1700 bucks, but you've essentially got, you know, 4,000 watt outputs. Uh, so you could charge everything you own at 5S, uh, 5C like rather. It all day long <laughs> there you go dan that's but the thing it, you it need will right not there. be lightweight with two mean wells in there for sounds sure. like dan's type of charger <laughs> uh but that, that's kind of the, the sort of the walkthrough here you know i really hope it's, it's helped shape your charger purchasing decisions it's given you some ideas uh, honestly again i feel like the most flexible charger here with the most bang for your buck right now is the x16 uh, as I mentioned, you know, it's got tons of options. It's 110 volts powered. You don't have to go out and build your own charge case. You can literally go find, you know, a Pelican case or a case from Amazon that you can just a padded case, throw the charger in, put all your charge leads in a separate compartment. It doesn't come with any of those. And that's another thing when you're when you're factoring the cost of purchasing a charger, you're going to buy the charger and the setup, and then you're going to spend a bunch of money on connectors and wire and adapters because you've got XT60s, XT30s. You know, you've got solderless S7s, you've got, you know, EC5s, IC5s, all these different types of battery connectors that your different helicopters may use. And you'll need, you know, a lot of these charge cables and adapters. And so save some money for that as well. Um, Dude, that X16 at two, just under 250 bucks, that seems like a no-brainer. Oh, no, no, no. A little no, bit that, extra no, for no, some that, connectors. That is and... not the X16. is way more than 250 bucks. Uh, sorry, it's actually about 630 640 for the X16. So not Yeah, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong... Yeah, the K4, uh, I think, is the one you might be referencing at that price. Or yeah, maybe that's what I saw. Yeah, you're right. It's the K4. Never yeah. mind. Um, 600, well, shit. I mean, I mean still, that's a badass charger. For a charger that's future-proof, that can you know manage anything up to you know 16S, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with that charger. The hardest thing about it right now is it's, it, it's hard to keep them in stock. They're selling uh, as fast as anybody can get them in stock. Yeah, um, I bet. But uh, that's the overview. I'd kind of love to, to hear what you guys are using in your charge setups. Like, what do you have? Do you have separate chargers on the bench and a separate one for the field? Like, what are you guys doing? 
So I have one charger and it's weak. <laughs> I use it on the bench and I use it in the field. I use it, I use it with a generator in the field sometimes, uh, but I've just recently joined a field where I don't have to take my generator, so that's nice. But I'm using ISDT SC620. Uh, I got two of those and a weak. thousand watt power supply. Just kidding. Dude, <laughs> it is weak. And look, when I, I got a really, really good deal on it. And um, it's why I bought it. I bought it knowing fully that, yes, I'm going to, especially for the bigger 12S packs, well, two 6S packs in parallel, that I was going to need to take a little bit of time. I can't quite charge at my 5C <laughs> the way I want to. <laughs> That's good. Um, but... You know, it does a good job, and uh, I'm not in an extreme hurry to replace it, but I, I am I am going to probably over the winter replace it with something a little nicer, a little... Something with little more, more meat um, on its bones? Yeah. I want that one that I need that little portable nuclear power plant to go with me. What was there you go. One? The fire extinguisher. The two mean wells? That's the one I want, man. Oh, yeah. It's oh, got the two P30s in it. Yeah, the P30s the are nice. That sounds pretty badass, man. They're just, nice. just don't tell my wife how much it is. Seventeen hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my god! No, yeah, I like lot. it. I, you know, I um in the past, the workhorse, the workhorse charger for a long, long time for a lot of folks was the I charge a three hundred six B, right? Yeah, yeah. Thirty amps, man. Stay. They just, they just worked right all the time. No frills. You know, they they were small and and you could stuff them into a relatively not so big charging case if you needed to and um add a little uh we used to do the hp server power supplies 24 yeah. volt the 1100 1200 watts somewhere in there yep and um worked really well and i've been seeing a lot of posts lately about some guys posting pictures with their 306 well i just saw one today in fact and mentioning how they feel like they're behind the times, but the thing of it is, that's a workhorse charger. There's nothing wrong with that charger. Yeah, it's still yeah. Works. You're just There's passing mass. That's all you, you got to do is yeah. You can still um, buy them. There's yeah, you, you can. And and I don't know. I I was a when I was at Skyfish, we ended up. I ended up specking out some uh, forty ten duos uh, for the chargers that we sold to our customers with a two thousand watt. Meanwhile. And uh, that's a pretty solid setup as well. I don't know. That's what I, I guess, the trade-off with that big power. We were talking about that one with the two meanwhiles. Yeah, uh, the big gorilla. The trade-off there is, you know, somebody's got to pack that goddamn thing to and from. Yeah, and if you have <laughs> a long walk from your car to yeah. wherever you're set up at a fun fly or whatever, it weighs a ton. I actually have wheels and a handle on my charge case, although it's not that heavy. I was going to be riding at, you your know, bike to the field with that. You were you you shared some pictures of yours, and I first thought I came to mind was, man, that looks like a really big charging case. But then you tell me it's not that big. It's not Mine's small. Teeny. But it's not huge. Uh, it it does work. It works really well. It works. It's I think it's perfect size for the charger I have now. The the case I have now is perfect for six S five thousand four thousand milliamp packs. It's a little weak for the for when you start charging in parallel for the twelve uh, S. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I, there's to be honest, there's no real reason for me to replace it, because I can charge. Uh, I can keep myself. I've got enough packs for my 570 that I can easily 
keep myself if I were even if I were just go flight after flight after flight. I think I've got five flight packs, uh, five or six, uh, plenty to keep going. Um, even with the 12s packs, I can, you know, you throw a couple uh, 12s flights in. And then you get a, you know, the 570, you fly some 6S pa- packs, you know, then by the time you're ready to roll around to fly in the 700 again, you're, you're good to go. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's actually pretty, I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's the upgrade button. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? That's, it comes yeah. right down to it. It's, it's the never button. ending, I, right? At some point you have to say, stop, it's fine. What yeah. I have is fine. I think what I have is fine, but I do want to replace it. I know I have no yeah. need for the X16 other than it would allow me to experiment with seven and eight S setups, but do I need that? You know. Yeah. And that's the thing that I don't think I'll ever do. I mean, I don't think I'll ever play around with, you know, seven and eight S packs. I, I hate to say I will never do it, but I don't see a reason to do it. Uh, you know, you mentioned the availability of the packs, the price of the packs. I mean, even, you know, standard 12S pack or stick packs are getting fucking expensive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of, a lot of guys are flying those HRBs, whatever you think of them. I've had good luck with them. Um, and building my own 12S packs is kind of fun. I like doing that. So pretty sure I'm going to stick with the 6S. No reason really to, I, I just can't imagine that I would need, need to go any higher. And if I did, well, I guess that's an opportunity to buy another charger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, honestly, I think this is part of the popularity of, of micro helis, which I know you're going, what? Is that you can parallel charge six of these tiny little batteries to like start your day. And then while you're waiting for the bigger batteries to charge on your, you know, much less expensive, but slightly slower charging charger, you can go knock out a bunch of flights on the micro oh, yeah. for laughs in between. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. when I used to go fly the micros in the gym over in Montana in the winter, you know, a couple of friends, we'd get together. We would fly in the gymnasium of one of the local high schools. We'd, we, shit, we'd, we made parallel adapters. We'd have like, we'd have like 10 of those bastards, you know, 10, 12 of them lined up yeah. just, just charging at once. And, um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, there's a, there's a time and a place for micros. That's another conversation, but, uh, small helicopters suck. Just we'll leave it at that. Let it be written. <laughs> let it be done. Anyway, Rob, what are you using to charge? Uh, my setup's not quite as weak as yours. It's a little bit nicer, I guess. So my, i still have this old, uh, Turnigy charger. Actually, I have this little E-Flight Selectra charger that'll do non-balancing up to two amps, I think, and 30 watts or something like that. I don't know. But uh, I don't ever use that one. I, I just have it on the side in case I have to do something for one of these weird experimental things that I make on my bench. But anyway, so I've got the little janky Turnigy, uh, uh, 50 watt six cell jobber that I talked about earlier in the show. It's pretty small. It doesn't charge very well. Um, but then my nice charger that I have is this rebel electrics, uh, GT 1200. I got off a guy used off of a heli freak. I think maybe RC groups. I don't remember way back in the day. So it's 1200 Watts. It'll do 40 amps. Um, you can do up to eight S on that. And then I'm running the, the two, uh, server power supplies, 1200 watt power supplies in series Nice on there. So, um, I could, if I wanted to, I could charge that 12 cell stick at five C 
or pretty close to that, but I, I don't, you know, I, I've tried charge it like at about two. I've only had like three, four flights on it. So maybe after 10 flights, I'll start charging it more, you know, after I, yeah, yeah, you gotta, gotta take gotta, it easy. Gotta pass the mass a few times, you know, before I start jamming it in there. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with what I got. Dude, that X16 sounds super badass, but for, because I have a 1200 watt charger sitting on my bench, there's no reason for me to spend 600 bucks yeah. of my hard earned money on a new charger yet. But right now it's all stuffed in this old, uh, DJ hero case. You guys remember the DJ hero game for Xbox and PlayStation and shit. They came with this weird plastic case. You're supposed to be like a DJ at a rave or something. Right. Uh, my, <laughs> my dad was the manager at our local Best Buy and he came home one day with a stack of these cases like here you guys want a dj hero case and i'm like what the fuck is this so i carried it around for a while and finally had these parts i'm like these fit in here perfectly so that's my charge case um for now you know it doesn't have wheels or anything but it locks shut on the top and i've got a handle it carried it carried it carried around like a piece of stage gear or something you know um but then i can you know take it to the field because the charger is a dc charger uh, if i if they don't have ac at the field i wouldn't bring the case with the power supply I would just throw the charger in my truck or wherever hook it up to my hell hook it up to my truck's battery if i have to or um whatever right um and charge that way so it's kind of you know it's like we were, we were talking about before there's just wires kind of all over and i've got this extra bag full yeah. of wires you know but it gets the job done you know and it's macgyvery enough to satisfy my nerdy macgyver needs you know so um Maybe someday I'll get some upholstery and some thin wood. And I've got a Pelican case here that I use for my drones and uh, goggles and stuff like that. Um, I might repurpose it for a charge case because I got some other solution for the drones now. But um, I don't know. That's that's one of the things where you got to have the time, Nick. Like you said, you got you know you spend all this. You have to carve out all this time to put a charge case together. I just have avoided that part. You know, I it's just, such a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun, right now, I could... it was a rabbit hole, and I was so ready for it to be done by the time I finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, now, hey, now you got something cool to show for it, you know. But for me, I can pass the maz all all day long, and it just sits there, and I'm good. Yeah. Well, so that's uh, what I'm running. Before, before we get into Devin's charging case, one quick little story, and I probably have told this in the past, but the first charging case I built, I wasn't too confident that I'd done it right. So I actually put it out into the middle of the street with like a 50 foot extension cord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Plugging it God. in, covering I, your eyes. Well, like, eh. well, I plugged it in on the charger side and then I, you know, I was a good 60, 70 feet away from it. And I plugged it into the wall, ex- <laughs> fully expecting it to go up and smoke. I'm picturing Clark Griswold, uh, <laughs> fucking Christmas vacation, plugging in the lights. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Devin, you still here? Yes, I am. I'm here. Okay. So I have two charging cases that I use. Wow, look at you! Oh, you overachiever over here. Come on. Yeah, my my dad builds all my all the charging cases that we have. Must be nice. Yeah, totally must be nice. Can I send my Forza to your dad? (laughs) I mean, he's basically a mechanic. He's a mechanic for most people here in New Jersey, so he probably would. Oh yeah, maybe he can be our dad for a week. (laughs) But I have. The two charging cases I have, one charging case has an iCharger 308 Duo and a P30 in it. Nice. 
Yep, that, that's a pretty powerful charging case. Uh, I, th- I don't remember if that has a mean whale or two server power supplies in it. I think it's a so mean that, whale. That 208 Duo, that's two channels. What's like, what it, do you got? It's, what's, um, what? it's a 30 amp 8S 308. 8S? Yeah, and oh, a yeah, channel. That's cool. Yep, nice. and then the P30, my dad liked when it came out, the ISDT, and he got one at Urcha and put it in the case with there. So there's a lot of power for charging bigger 700 size batteries, 12S, you know, 7S, 8S, 14S if you wanted to, all of it. And then the smaller charger case that I have has four ISDT T6s in it. And I use that to charge my 12S 3300s, but I'm charging them separately as 6S packs. I don't do parallel charging too much. Yeah. Uh, So that's the smaller. I charge them at 1, 2C and just nice balanced charge to get them nice and happy before I go and fly. So that's four charges in there? Snot out of them? Yeah. Yeah. So that's four charges in there then. So like for, how does that work then? So for like a 12 cell pack then... Half the pack is on one charger, half the pack yes. is on the other charger. Yeah, they're, I got they're you. single okay. uh, output chargers. Yeah, yeah. That word. Okay, that makes sense. And so you just lay the pack, and then one set of leads goes to one charger, the other set yeah. goes to the other charger. Interesting. Yeah, yeah so that one my dad built. Um, he's like, this would be this would be cool. It's a smaller, a little bit, you know, cheaper side of chargers. The T6s, if I'm correct on that aren't the most expensive charger. I think they're 6S chargers. They're not super high wattage amperage. They're decent enough. And I we have four in there, so you could do two 12S stick packs or four independent 6S or anything smaller than that. Yeah. So that's what nice. I charge my smaller smaller batteries on and then all my massive batteries that the 14S and all those sizes go on the iCharger and the P30. You ever had 24 batteries on that thing? Like all four with a, with a parallel board charging batteries? Like I have packs? not. I think that'd I be pretty cool picture to see that. Do we <laughs> <laughs> generate some heat for the garage? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Be like, I need the toaster oven. I've done 12 packs at once on my charge case. Nice. Max That's I've fun. ever done is six, just one board, you know, but that 12. Damn. Yeah. Four on mine. I think the. Yeah. I think the most I did was um, when I had a Synergy 766 that was flying on 14S. I charged two 14S stick packs on it in parallel. Nice. That's pretty heavy, man. Yeah. And actually, speaking of parallel charging, so I often, you know, I've got four. Uh, so my charge case has got a 2,000-watt power supply, and I know some folks like to knock Spectrum chargers as being for plankers, but the S1500 is a really nice DC-powered 500-watt single-output charger, it's tiny. It's relatively inexpensive. It's a lot like some of the ISDT uh, Q8s and some of their other small form factor chargers. Uh, so I have four 500 watt outputs uh, on my charge case. So I'll often parallel charge, you know, a pair of 6S 500s on each charger. So, you know, we've been throwing this word parallel charging around, but essentially what you're doing is you're using a Y lead to marry the two packs to the charger. So what the charger sees is one 6S battery. And you're using a Y lead on the parallel cables and a Y lead on the power cables as well. Um, yeah. And plugging them in in parallel, that refers to the way the packs are, are wired into the charger. And what that means is you actually take your charge current and double it, right? So if 2C on one 6S 5000 uh, pack is 10 amps, if you charge two packs in parallel and you want to charge them at 2C, but you're in parallel now, you just double your charge current to 20 amps. Um, yeah. 
But here's what's important about parallel charging. I just want to give a little safety warning here. Um, you, you need to be careful when you parallel charge. Um, you want to make sure that you're parallel charging two batteries with the same number of cells. Uh, they can actually be slightly different capacities, but ideally I like to always parallel charge two batteries of the same cell count and the same capacity. So two 6S yeah. 5000s in my case. All, always the same cell count. Never yeah. never mix the cell counts ever. Yeah. And when you plug them all in, the, what, what made it easy for me to understand to figure out what, how, what am I doing at my charger is once you plug them all in, it's all one big battery. So just add up the capacity of all your batteries and treat it like one big fat battery. If it's, you got 13,500 milliamps worth of batteries plugged into your parallel charge board. If you put your charger at 13.5 amps, you're charging all that stuff at one C. If you want to do it at two C, you need 26 amps to do that. Right. Yep. So uh, here's the most imp important thing. I just, while we're on parallel charging for a second, um, one of the things you should do if you're going to parallel charge in order to do it safely, number one, you always plug the power leads from the battery into the charger first. So you plug both power leads, wait 20 seconds at that point, right? What you're doing is you're yeah. letting the batteries equalize. Now, it's really important they're at the same general voltage, right? So most of us fly our packs down to a level about 3.8 volts per cell, 3.75 volts per cell, somewhere in that neighborhood. So you're plugging two batteries that are um, discharged to about the same level into there. You're plugging the main power leads in first. So what's going to happen, it's kind of like, you know, pouring two water jugs together. The packs are going to equalize, right? So um, yeah. you want that equalization to happen through the larger gauge wire of the power leads, not through the teeny tiny wires of your parallel charge cables, right? You can literally, if the capacities of the, not the capacity, sorry, if the, the discharge level of the two batteries is, is wildly different, um, all that you know voltage is going to go across uh the current rather uh the little balance cable leads and we don't want that it's going to gonna be a so flood of current too. exactly it'll so, happen quickly yeah and it, it'll be more than the little wire so you just plug your main power leads in first then your parallel charge you know uh, cables and then go from there and you'll be fine but it, it is really important that you have a battery checker um i always check my batteries before i parallel charge them i'll just plug the checker into the balance lead make sure the cells are at similar voltages before I connect them to the charger. If you start connecting a charged battery to a discharged battery, you're going to start something on fire. So just be yeah. really cautious doing that. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what I was going to allude to whenever I am doing parallel charging, it's always sets of batteries. Yeah. They're always the mean? same pairs you marry. You always charge yep. them together kind of deal. Yep. I do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another tip too, you know, like, in the old days of parallel charge boards, when the parallel charging first came out, it was like voodoo and people were like, there's dragons, there'd be dragons in that cave, you know, but <laughs> a lot of people do it and it's been going on for a long time. So the charge board technology is getting a lot better. And like the little parallel charge board I have has a little light that'll come on when you've got good circuit, right? Um, and if you don't get the light, you don't, don't turn your charger on and figure out what's not wired right or what's broken or something, right? And some of them will even have like a per channel um, where you got all six each of the um, the outputs will show you an output, you know, for each of the channels on the board. I mean, it costs a little bit more, and if you want to get nerdy, you can do that. You know, at the very least, as long as you're you're making good habits, you know, like Nick's talking about here, um, you can, you know, your parallel charging can be safe. You know, bat check before before you charge it. When you're done, bat. It's a good idea to bat check too when you're done too, because if for some reason you had a cell or a balance, something happened and one of the cells is going bad and you thought you charged it up, but really that cell is sitting at 3.9 volts or something weird like that, and then you go and fly that thing, you're going to deep discharge that one cell, 
you know, you've already probably ruined the pack and you start flying on it, you're going to make it worse. Or if you parallel charge again on something like that, that bad sell is most likely going to cause the equivalent bad sell in the next pack or other packs on that same board to start to have a problem too. So use the battery checker before and after too. That's a good pro tip. Yeah. And, and actually, Rob, thanks for p- pointing that out. Cause you know, what you're looking for when you plug that, that cell checker in is one cell to be a different voltage from all the others. Cause that's the danger flag that says don't parallel charge this thing. You can give it a shot, you know, carefully monitored, uh, solo plugged into the charger to see if all the cells will come back and re-equalize and, you know, balance properly to the same voltages. Um, yep. but if they don't, you've got one cell that's way off that that packs toast. Yeah. Like Dan, like you said, you know, you've got a couple that you always pack together. Uh, I've had this before where I'll do that, but maybe one of them is maybe worn out more than the other. And now I just don't parallel charge them together. I charge them separately from then on, you know, just because the one battery's got a a shitty cell or something, you know what I mean? And then just at that point, that battery, you just don't charge that one with the other ones. No harm, no foul, you know, but at least be cognizant that that's something that can happen with parallel charging. And there's definitely folks that just swear against parallel charging, and that's fine. If you're not comfortable doing it, if you don't think you should parallel charge for whatever reason, then don't. You know, nothing says you should. Right. For me, it's super yep. convenient because I'm I'm your charge at home, fly at the park guy, right? So I can sit here, work on my bench, set all my packs down, and get them all charged up all at once. You know, especially with because when I fly with my drones, I've got like six, five or six packs for that, and I'll just I'll parallel charge them all together then I'll charge my big 12 cell pack and then I'll charge my six cell pack on my other smaller charger while the other one's going. And then I've got them all and I'll go spend a couple of hours at the field and I'll, I'll burn myself out by then, you know, and come home and they're all spent. And that's, that's, so I, I don't really need to be, you know, charging over and over and over or parallel charging over and over just once. And I'm good. Yeah, that's my new favorite thing. Charge four to six packs at home, run out to the field for lunch flights, and then when you run out of packs, come home. Yep. Yeah, that's always fun. I don't like to charge at home because I I don't like to have to sit here and babysit them, whereas at the field, you're sitting right next to them while they're charging. You know what yeah, I mean? I don't yeah, that's true. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone then, you know, because that's you're just doing it all at once. Yeah, I don't... I. I'm I'm kind of fast and loose with a lot of rules when it comes to <laughs> you know charging. Yeah. One rule that I never never overlook is unattended batteries while charging. That's Yeah, that's a bad news. That yeah. just scares the shit out of me. Yep. But anyway, to each their own. Be careful whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Got down the street burned his garage down. It was uh he was charging um it was, they were light poly batteries. It wasn't for RC stuff. It was for these electric scooters you ride around on. And he left them unattended and burned his garage down. That's what wow. worries me, man. All my kids' hoverboards and little electric stuff they charge in the garage scares the bejesus yeah. out of me. But at least it's a detached garage and it's insured. So worst case, nah, it's not going to, you know, no one's going to die. It'll just stink in the yard for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I got a Samsung phone, so I'm I, I worry about that thing blowing up in my hand. Or, or did they they fix that problem? They passed it over to Apple now that with the iPhone seven is burning burning up in Phil's pants and shit. I, I will say at the very least, and I don't walk away from my chargers when they do charge. But if I were to, even for a moment, I have smoke detectors in my workshop that live on the Wi-Fi network at my house and immediately alert my phone when they go off that work great. So I highly recommend putting one of those in 
the space yeah. where they you charge your batteries. Well, I will say from personal experience, I had a uh, a kitchen malfunction when I was really young that caused a house fire. It took my house down way faster than you could respond to your Wi-Fi. So, <laughs> you know, so, but to, uh, at, least to that it, point, at least, you know, you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. Get well, to that out. point though, you know, you know, trying to mitigate problems, right? One thing that we didn't really talk about are some of the other nerdy bits that some of these chargers come with, like my Revelectrics GT uh, 1200 has an output for like a temperature sensor. So I have this lead that I can stuff in, but I can Velcro onto my pack if I want or stuff in there, uh, in between them or like, or on, on the battery or near the battery so that when it's charging, it'll monitor the temperature of the battery. And if the battery's starting to get t- too warm, um, it'll stop the charge, right. And the alarm will go off on the charger and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a part two to this conversation because, there, yeah. you know, we've talked about kind of the meat and bones of how to pick a charger out based on some examples that Nick presented. Yeah. But there's a whole another aspect and that is safely charging. And, you mm-hmm. know, your mileage may vary. Your thoughts may vary. Some guys, you know, they'll get ammo cans and drill holes in there. They'll, you, you know, they'll do all kinds of, all kinds of things. Cinder blocks. Yeah. Retire them I in don't, the saltwater bath. Yeah. And that, that's one, you know, that's, that was very common back in the day. I don't think people do that anymore. To dispose of batteries, anyway. No, I think. But uh, set them on no, that was fire. A, that was a good one, Nick. Thanks for all the research on that. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude, you're yeah. so nerdy. It's awesome. It's a good topic. <laughs> one thing I did want to mention, I, I kind of feel bad I didn't mention because I I wanted to give Devin and his dad Rob a big thank you. Um, I had that electric scooter with me over the weekend, and and um, it it's got a lift. We got a lift, an electric lift, hydraulic lift. I don't know. Anyway, hit, press a button and the thing lifts up. And, you, um, you got hydros. Yeah. It's got a, there's an adjustment that you can make. And this, this lift came off of a truck. And of course we have it on a car and on our way, <laughs> on our way the whole two and a half hours, every time we hit a bridge abutment, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it was just digging holes, man. And like, we like plowed a path all the way through the, to the flying field on the road. <laughs> well, you're just you, marking the line for how to get back. <laughs> exactly. You paid for those tow rolls, roads. That's so right. So yeah, they, they, that's why they charged us so damn much because we were ripping up every bump they had. What, but anyway, you know, I had- didn't uh, pay for them. Well, not yet, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it and I was, I thought, well, that looks like that could be pretty easy. So I went and asked Devin if his dad had tools and sure enough, he did. And uh, we gathered up a few guys, Devin and his dad, and I, I, who I don't remember who the third person was. Uh, but anyway, 15 minutes later, they adjusted that lift, so now it's riding about five inches higher, and uh, we didn't scrape once on the way home. That's perfect. Good news. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah, Good it's on nice you. when that kind of stuff comes. In. So thank you, Devin, and and thank your dad for me. That was um, huge. Very nice to have that taken care of. Yeah, yeah, it was anything, you know that. Yeah, it's one big happy family. Yeah. Yeah, big happy family. One thing I did notice I didn't really talk too much about was I kind of felt like I was um, in the oxy cult zone. (laughs) Because like everybody in the immediate area was wearing an oxy shirt. We went to go eat some pancake breakfast and I was like, Kind of felt like the odd man out. Everybody had oxy shirts on, and I was just sitting there listening to him talk. And I'm like, hmm. 
Yeah. I don't have an Oxy. And then I, I felt, you know what, Devin, I felt like saying, you know, I had an Oxy once and I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured that wasn't, a, that wasn't the place to have that conversation. Uh, I think, I think you'll like the bigger ones. I might, I might check it out. Yeah, they're good. I like mine. It flies very well. I mean, for a 600 and Rob, this isn't, this isn't a recommendation for you. But I fly my 600 at 2,800 RPM on the head. Oh, my God. God damn, dude. Damn. <laughs> my bank yeah. three on my raw 580 is 2,100. <laughs> yeah, I'm at 2,800. Wow. The highest I ran for, I think, about six months, I ran 3,000. What is that, like a 25 millimeter main shaft? Or what's the score? <laughs> oh, we can definitely handle it. That's just a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like cool. two-minute flights? Uh, yeah, around like three. Oh my god! And the do the lipos like float when you're done? Three volts. I, I, I was gonna say that they float when you're yeah. done. You can fucking make tea. I find the zero percent <laughs> every flight. I'm not very nice. Eat up water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, they're they're good helis for sure. I really enjoy them. I but really yeah, all those um oxy guys are um they're part of the the team with me and they're. I consider them family and I didn't get to see them this year with not going to Urcha. So Matthew, who was the, I'm pretty sure the one that helped out with the lift, um, he flew out from Wisconsin to New Jersey. Okay. I got to say it did. I I was pretty impressed with the, just hanging out with you guys as that, you know, kind of that oxy group. You could really tell, I don't know. And I, you know, it's, it's tough to make that, that call just, just from that, I don't know, hour, 45, half hour, however long we were eating breakfast, but it was definitely the way just everybody was interacting. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you guys are really, you know, you mentioned it kind of that family vibe. Yeah. Um, And again, you know, I obviously didn't get to spend a whole lot of time, but I'm guessing just by the way everybody was interacting. I mean, they were making, dude, when you went back into, get the syrup or whatever for your dad they were making so much damn fun of you and i yes this is awesome you're like i'm home i feel if i feel right at home with them saying that stuff no um, they were talking about just everybody hey everybody he left his plate of food there we were just going to divvy it up so when you came back get an empty plate of food i'll live it's okay you could have done that We're going to wrap this one up. Just a few reminders. Uh, check us out on Locals if you'd like. Facebook, rchnv3.com is our webpage. And uh, I kind of jumped over the Facebook. It's just rchnv3, whatever, hashtag Facebook. Is that how that works? I don't know how that works. Not really. I don't really understand the whole hashtag. I don't even, I don't even really know what that does. Rob tried to explain it to me once a long, long time ago. Didn't make any sense to me, but hashtag Facebook. <laughs> it's close. How about this one? How about this one? How about you guys take a picture of your charge setups and uh, post it online for us and hashtag yes. it RCHNV3. We'd love to Yeah, there one. you go. And maybe I'll get an understanding of what that actually does. What does it do? I don't I don't get it. It's just like... You can then search that hashtag and you can see anybody's public post. How do you search a hashtag? Seriously. Oh, In the search bar? I just remember an SL uh, Saturday Night Live skit once where they had a, two guys that just taught, had whole conversations in hashtags, and it just it just it just sounded like fun to me. So <laughs> I don't remember that skit. 
Yeah, that was a long time ago. It's probably before your time. Definitely. Hashtags are before your time. <laughs> Hashtag Dan still on dial up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm down with the internet, yo. Yo, oh. I'm America online. For real, for real. For real. You can reach Dan and Dan Reed at AOL.com. <laughs> Still rocking Compu that serve? MSN butterfly. CompuServe. Dude, I do it. Dude, Dan K. Reed at MSN.com. I still use that email address, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you do have I still have a... I have your a, hate mail to that one. <laughs> CompuServe. You guys probably don't remember CompuServe. Dude, I remember those guys for sure. Netscape Navigator. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Um, I don't remember that. I don't so even use talking any about, of that shit. Oh my god! Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. I'm about to speak, Rob. <laughs> Do it again, Rob. <laughs> Do it. You shall begin. <laughs> Watch out! He might blind you with his shiny sweatpants. Are you, are you done yet? <laughs> are you guys done yet? <laughs> We've nope. been at this for about two and a half hours. It's time to get on with it. It's time to go night-night. Come on. All right, guys. So since we've been talking about all this hashtag and CompuServe and emails, uh, Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you can uh, hit me on Facebook at NickWisdomRC. Or if you want to send me an email, you can send it to NickWisdom at RCHNV3.com. How about you, Devin? Okay. If you wanted to get in contact with me, you could hit me up on Facebook, Devin McClellan, or... You could go with the other option at devin at rchnv3.com. I'm Dan. You can reach me at Dan K. Reed. Oops. Wrong email address. Damn it. Damn it. Dan at rchnv3.com. Dan K. Reed on Facebook. There you go. You got it. Hashtag I Dan. Could, see, I could have pulled that through if I had just, if I, I see, I didn't commit. You didn't and then commit. I put, it, put it in the beans. That's what happens. Damn, those damn beans. Damn. <laughs> All right, Rob, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Okay. <laughs> no, so the way you do it, this is actually pretty easy and it's pr fairly timely because here this October is the Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta, Hot Air Balloon Festival. So what you got to do is you got to store up like one or two questions, right? Get yourself uh, like a burlap satchel of some kind and carve your question out on a piece of driftwood and stick it in the satchel. Then you gotta go to the Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta, um, bring your sextant with you and steal somebody's balloon. And once you get into the air, use the sextant to orient yourself towards the North Star because I'm pretty much north of where pretty much everybody's at. So head that way. And when you get near my house or like over the top of Brainerd where I live, drop the burlap sack down onto my town and somebody will find it. This town is small. So like there's never any news. So something like that will hit the news and I'll know it's for me and I'll get your message and I'll read it and I'll reply to you. Um, or if you don't know how to get to Albuquerque or you're afraid of heights or you're not sure what a sextant is, um, you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, find me on Facebook at uh, nextgenrc. Um, Instagram at NextGenRC or uh, hit a comment on one of my videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash NextGenRC. <laughs> so Rob. Dan. My oh. wife, we were driving back from the fun fly and <clears throat> we were listening to the last episode 
and we got to the part where you you were doing that, <laughs> and my wife was like, "What the hell? Why doesn't he just give an email address?" <laughs> <laughs> it ain't that easy, Elaine. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye bye. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Come on. <laughs>